everyone and welcome to Quarantine in the Multiverse, episode one. <laughs> I'm Peter and joining me as always, I guess, is Matt. Worst reboot ever. <laughs> Connor's also here. As always, feels pretty disingenuous on episode one. It does, but here's so here's the thing. This is the, the temporary replacement for Comics in the Multiverse, or Comics from the Multiverse, rather, uh, which is because there's no comics and there won't be comics for at least a few weeks that's the funny thing about this is is we were on a roller coaster this week where we thought that this was probably going to happen last week and last week on the show on episode 200 and obviously we'll pick up a 201 when the comics come back last week on the show we said repeatedly that we thought that we weren't going to have books this week for a little and for a few weeks after that as well and we were expecting we told you about the plan for quarantine the multiverse the very night we recorded this show it started to look like maybe there was going to be digital dc comics and then on monday Mm -hmm. The first thing we're going to talk about here is that there was big news kind of saying that, hey, even if there is a few weeks without comics, we're going to very quickly have a solution that's going to be a mix of digital and physical. And then, okay, so we've got a plan there. We're going to be back on regular schedule by the end of the month. Two days later, that plan was dead in the water. That wasn't happening. So we're we're in limbo again. Obviously, there's lots of little news things to talk about and potential advancements and what's going on. I mean, the the timeline was a little bit more intricate than that because on on monday that was when dc told us outright yeah we're gonna have digital comics on wednesday it's gonna be fine and then monday night they went actually no we're not yeah it was when it was wednesday that we got the announcement it was back and forth because it was april fools yes it was april well yes but it wasn't an april fools article it was just it wasn't a lot of people thought it was and and it was yeah Yeah, because because ryan higgins right yeah Ryan Higgins from climate conspiracy was was saying there's big news coming, there's big news coming. This is 100% real, uh, and we all waited with bated breath, and then they announced this digital distribution that kind of was the most common sense you could have to yeah. have comic fans like us that want to still collect physical copies, but also people that just want to read comics digitally. Yeah. You could do both. Yeah, the idea. Uh, so just to explain this briefly, the idea with this was that. Via Comics Hub, which is kind of like an online kind of... A lot of the stores are using it now. It's kind of an online way of ordering your comics. They were going to do this thing where you would buy your comics uh, from your store's store page on Comics Hub and you would get a digital code immediately for the books coming out whenever this starts in a few weeks, end of the month, whenever it would be. And you'd get a digital comic, you could read it right now, but you'd still be entitled to the physical book whenever we get back to printing and distributing physical books so you'd have like a stack of books to pick up that you've already paid for maybe with some postage costs that you've not paid yet if, if you get the mail mm-hmm. perhaps but other than that you'd have already paid for your books the stores would get them and the idea being that your stores would be benefiting from the money right now so they would be having an income that they're otherwise not getting and even with mm-hmm. those obviously that they're still down because they're not, there's no people wandering and, in and buying trades or anything like that right obviously yeah and they would be a file that was from comics hub so it would also keep keep comiXology happy that if you still wanted mm. to order books through through their service you could um but you could you know for for most people that order from comiXology they're not worried about a physical store no. like i am right yeah. so this this seemed to be like okay cool like we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll do all that um, it wasn't without its problems and uh right. like you know, the idea is still that uh, okay let's say this goes on three or four months <laughs> 
until diamonds that, back will be shipping and then the stores get books. three or four months worth of books mm -hmm. all at once to sort out and yes they've been paid for so people aren't going to abandon their pulls in the in the same yeah. way but that's a lot to, to sort it's out. a logistics no, nightmare for, for the stores it, and for diamond it is yeah. though but so but you look at like my shop in particular the number of back issues that are sitting on the shelves because that this was the minimum order or whatever, right? This would seem to me, at least for the comic shops, right? If they know this is how many I need to order right away and then order a little bit of extra to have up there, it, it just seems like it's going to save the money in the long run. And I think this is less about the money on this, this particular issue and more just on... yeah. They're going to get, you know, 12, 14 weeks worth of comics arriving yeah, to, at once that have to, to be organized us, and mailed to the right customers. And To put this in perspective, uh, December 18th, right, just there, mm -hmm. that week was huge for comic stores, right, where basically DC weren't shipping anything the following week. A lot of Marvel were shipping barely nothing the following week. They, they basically double-loaded one week before Christmas, right? It was a busy week anyway, and they double-loaded it. And I saw nothing but comic stores online talking about how it was the biggest order they'd ever had and it was like so much to deal with. It was, you know, twice as much books and they were struggling to do that with two weeks worth of comics. If you're, I mean, even a month of comics on one week, are you kidding me? And, and then let's not even disregard <laughs> it slightly earlier in the chain. Okay, you've got to print all of those comics mm -hmm. at once because the printers are down right now. And then when you get to Diamond, they've got to distribute and ship all of that at once, so which is still to... significantly more than they usually do. I mean, yeah, the only solution I could think of is that they'd have to do it gradually, so there'd be it'd basically be double shipping for a lot of weeks, where you'd have the new comics for that week, and then the first week of the, the, the backlog. They catch up. Yeah, and then yeah, just yeah. keep going until you, you eventually catch okay. up. But hey, it doesn't it, matter. It's all moot now, no. <laughs> because it's so, not happening. <laughs> it it seems to be it didn't happen because a, a lot of retailers didn't like the idea for two things. One, they didn't really appreciate that they had to pay into the comics hub fee, and they felt like they were being kind of strong-armed into being forced to use this. And two, that a lot of them are scared of just the idea that, okay, yes, they're getting their money for their print comics now, but they're essentially encouraging print readers to use digital in the in the meantime. And they're scared people will just get used to it and not go back. My, my argument to that is, yeah, but what's no. the alternative right now? There's <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> no alternative. And, and not, not just because that makes Pete sound like, you know, uh, you know uh, the guy from The Godfather. Right, like you know, this is your offer. You do it or die. Right, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, they have the same things about you know, comicsology and digital as it is now. So, you know, I just and and also like I know there's there are shops that make you pay for your pull list, right? So I would if if my shop was like, hey, you're gonna start paying five dollars a month, right, for for this service to help cover their costs, because from what I read, it was like. $25 a week to to be into their system. Oh, for Comics Hub, yeah. Yeah, for Comics Hub. That's that's fine. Again, but I want to support my shop. I like my local shop. It's it's a community. So if, if they're going to charge me $5 a month to help cover that cost, and that they have, like, I'm box three, but I know they have upwards of, of 60 boxes. And, you no, know. This, is, this is the thing. I, I, I get that. And I think it boils down to what, DC said in their first statement when they when they did because this was an official statement that they were going to mm -hmm. publish comics on the Wednesday digitally, they said all our data shows that the vast majority of digital readers are never going to be print readers and print readers 
will stay print readers for the most part if they if they were going yeah, through well, well to, to add on to this like because all these concerns were, were first came out really in 2011 when everything was going day and day you know dc oh. were doing new 52 marvel were kind of gradually getting into it over that year like all the publishers were kind of doing it around that same time and that's when these worries came up and here's the thing we have nine years of data now we have nine years of of yep. comic book reading with digital day and date and print still happening and print sales if I remember from my figures correctly, have went up since 2011. They have. Uh, they have. I can tell you 2019 had the most comic book stores open in the past decade. Yeah. So it, the, one's driving the other. And this is what I also don't understand is they already do the reverse of this with most books, right? There's a digital code, at least there used to be, in physical. Yeah, Marvel, that still, you could, yeah, Marvel still have that. Yeah, that you could put in... See, this is how long it's been since I've read an actual Marvel print book that's not Thor. Yeah. Terrible paper quality. Well, because everything else I read through Marvel is digital. Um, but, like, so, again, you already, you're already getting the digital for free. This is that same thing. You're just getting it earlier so you can maintain. Yeah. And the, so. There was talk about how um, this would actually not include Marvel and DC, you know, because this came out. It wasn't like an official thing. It was it was Comics Hub and done through Bleeding Cool, which uh, you know, and and uh, Ryan Higgins and, and uh, Big Bang Comics, a couple of other people, you know, uh, retailers who were kind of spearheading this. Yeah. But there wasn't an official PR team. There was no official announcements from any publishers. And the problem is, uh, DC and Marvel both have exclusive contracts with Comicsology for their digital comics. So the problem is, if they start putting comics on Comics Hub, even temporarily you know comicsology and you know amazon wouldn't be too happy with so, that so how do they get around that loophole but but how do they get around that loophole now with their marvel it's not a comicsology code uh it was because they're not um uh, you know marvels is a comicsology code uh, is no, it? Uh, yeah you're getting comicsology because oh. you're marvel you, so you get it in marvel's app which they also have right. but when you get something in marvel's app if you buy it through marvel your Marvel account is linked to your Comixology, so you always get it in Comixology as oh, well. Oh, shoot. Okay, yeah. well, again. Uh, so there's a link. I thought you were going to mention Marvel Unlimited, and I was just going to no. say, because obviously that's, no, that's a, different. a monthly subscription rather than right. buying mm. comic. Right, no, no, that's different. And that's also right now, for people that do want to get caught up, they are offering, uh, Disney's offering Marvel Unlimited for X amount of months free Yeah, right now. It's, it's, uh, it's a really um, limited version of the service. It's like, yeah. here are... At the minute, there's like five or six story arcs that you can read, mm-hmm. and they'll be rotating those every few weeks, every month. Whatever yeah, it is. yeah. Well, a lot, there's a lot of things doing this right now. HBO's got like a yep. some like 500 hours of content for free right now. Yep. WWE Network's got doing a bunch of their old pay per views for free. Real, real quick, the, uh, Connor, ignore this for a second. <laughs> okay. um, I just want to talk about their their. I'm so confused about the WrestleMania pay model because I'm seeing that it's up on Fight TV. Because I had signed up for Fight TV a little while ago, and I haven't ever used it. I, uh-huh. I didn't use the pay set side of it. So I get emails, and it says, get WrestleMania through Fight TV. But is it not going to be on the network? And then I looked up. It's still going to be on the network. Yeah. So are they just hoping that people that don't realize it's free on the network, even though the <laughs> network's free, like who's buying it through Fight right now? I have no idea. I, I guess it's it's probably still available for pay per view because just technically they have to keep those contracts with pay per view. Even though the amount of people buying it is probably minuscule, because why would they? Um, right. I don't get it. Like I understand the AEW stuff because that's you know that's their only way of putting it out, right? Is, is through fight and and the different apps that that cost money. 
but there was talk that they were going to put it on ESPN Plus before all of this madness started. Yeah, I have to imagine any talks of that completely were killed by this. Yeah. Just everything that's yeah, going yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. And so I'm just I'm just wondering, like, again, Vince McMahon is a very tough brain to pick because I don't even think he knows what he's going to do half the time. Um, so I just I, I can't think of a comics equivalent to try to tie it back in. Yeah. But it's just it would be like if if DC was giving out free comics right now, but then it's like, well, you can still buy them on Comicsology. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It so, doesn't make sense. Let me just... Anyways. A couple of events that happened this past week, uh, in terms of DC specifically, is that all oh, the wow. books that were meant to come out on Wednesday got pushed to April 29th, so a four-week delay. But however, uh, about a day later, though, this was updated on March 31st on Newsarama here, uh, all those books were just removed from Comixology, uh, from pre-order. Now, they may, I don't know if they're back by now, but they were actually outright removed at one point during the week. So... That's what we're kind of dealing with with the digital stuff. Uh, it is worth mentioning that the trades that were coming out and the digital first books like Batman Adventures, uh, they were still coming out as planned on Wednesday. They didn't move, which makes sense. There's no reason to push There's those. No reason not to. Um, I mean, even the trades, bookstores are still able to order and do those things yeah. through that route so there's no but, reason to, to hold off on those and even if you couldn't it's still old content technically it's not like a, the new story that's not been read yet yeah i don't think even the the most you know strict of comic stores when it comes to these you know ideas probably don't care about the trades because they've made most of their money on the singles already because mm-hmm. that's where most of comic stores money comes from well she so got the odd store that you know goes a bit more towards trades but most yeah, of singles. I mean, as as a rule, it's the the monthly singles that support the the vast majority of them. Here's, here's a little bit of nice news: DC are donating two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to Book Industry Charitable Foundation uh, to help comic book stores and their employees mm-hmm. during this time. So, yeah, yeah, and Jim Lee's doing a thing on his own as well, where he's mm. taking requests for sketches and then auctioning them, them on, on on ebay and, and all the proceeds are going to, towards you know a different Certain comic store with each one yeah no that's nice that's, it's nice to try yeah. to do stuff i mean but that, that's again with the community coming together and again why i like having comic stores right because there is this community built in that even if i don't know those people very well we're all there for the same reason right we all want to see the shop succeed so we will pull together you know to, to try to help it it's just right now without the main source of income they still got to pay their bills you know so yeah. it's just and i think the real question now it comes down to is how long are marvel and dc gonna hold off and i include marvel yeah. in this because obviously those are the, the big ones and i know there were reports i think it was yesterday that marvel are kind of put hold on up to a third of their books uh for mm-hmm. may and june the first which is... implies they're still gonna be publishing stuff come then yeah uh, it was funny though because marvel's got so many books compared to dc they've always printed more for a long time that cutting a third actually just puts it kind of in line with what dc usually publish anyway (laughs) it is Um, yeah so the question is do dc and marvel do they just start publishing as normal at some point within a month digitally for now Mm -hmm. because they're losing money right Uh, diamond aren't paying them Mm -hmm. uh so they're (laughs) losing money a lot right now and they've got to get it somewhere so there's only so long they're going to go so, without publishing digitally the question is do they do their full line or actually, do they do just select titles to tide people over yeah I, and I, I want to explain something else because I, I know one or two people have uh, said to us actually via twitter or emails or whatever uh that like they read books physically right and they don't necessarily like the idea of like us covering books that aren't available physically 
right? Mm-hmm. And I, I totally get it. I totally get the idea that, you know, we're continuing with book reviews and you can't read your book yet. And I mean, mm-hmm. we read a lot of books physically as well. Uh, so obviously we're switching for some of them. But the problem is, it's the same problem with the printing and the, the, the getting the books later, you know, if they were piling up, is that if we held off in reviewing books because they weren't available physically until they were available physically, we could be in a position where there's two months worth of books were behind on and then we have yeah. to start just churning through books really quickly well, and that's, to catch up. And that's up. Where, where stuff would, would start get dropping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, like, I mean, we already were out on Batgirl, right? So uh, that, yeah. that I would say, even worse, frankly, that's an es- a recipe for the show to end because we just, like, we can't catch up on all of this in time. Well, that's a, then I would just join you guys on, on Elsewhere. And we continue doing stuff there, you know. Like, like, sorry, sorry, readers, you know, of else, but like, write a letter to DC. Yeah. Like, so I just know. I want to make it clear that you know we will continue. As soon as books have been available digital, we will cover them because they're yeah. available at all. Because well, we can't let them build it, up; if, they have to be done as they're coming also, out. We also have incentive though to maybe not make that the main event, you know. If if a lot of people aren't going to tune into that because. Sure, yeah. You know, they, they want to stay up. So there would be other modes to it. I, I remember when all this started going, Scott Snyder and, and Charles Soule had a, a thread back and forth with one another that, like, yes, this is scary right now, but comics always adapt, and we'll find a way, you know, um, yeah. to, to get this. Uh, like, as... It'll just be different. And we all know how comic fans are with change. Oh, yeah. Right? Not good. <laughs> yeah. We'll change, but we're going to kick and scream and, and claw uh on the way out yeah so, i mean there's actually a reason because uh, some people think our show format's a little bit weird when we have questions and stuff how i always put the books at the end after the questions yeah. and after everything else uh but this is kind of where it's perfect for this is that the, everything's always time stamped and if you want to listen to the show but not hear the new books talk until you can eventually get your physical books you can do that everything will be time stamped right. we make we make a point of not talking about spoilers from the books until we actually get to the books mm-hmm. uh so uh yeah don't worry about that yeah no 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 but i'm just saying like if, if that were if, if a sizable you know viewership were like hey uh, we would adapt you know what i mean like and it just wouldn't be a solely review show we could do questions we could talk about you know comics as a whole like there's other methods you know what i mean yeah but again like like soul and snyder were saying stuff changes and we can just keep rolling you know we're, and, and- we're all spokes on this wheel all of us, when the shops are back open, are going to go back to buying our physical copies yeah. from our stores. It's not like, okay, yeah, we're, we're double different right now. We're going to have to get some yeah. digital stuff. And, you know, um, <laughs> I, you know I, I had to do it last week, for example, because uh, in, in the UK, uh, we didn't get our comics last week. We were yep. behind the US already. So I had to double dip on some stuff. And it's like, right, okay, that's what I got to do because, okay, we're doing the show. And that's <laughs> the nature of the beast. I can tell you immediately the flash I'd have to say goodbye. <laughs> and, and, and something like Hawkman, I that would take priority over over some other books. Sure. Or, oh, definitely. Or, or Bendis' Superman over action. Like I see uh, JRJR is still on there. Okay, well, I, I don't need to read you right away. You know? Yeah, like, yeah I, I don't need to double dip on that. Yeah. No. So, you know, just this, I, and I guess it would say, you know, it would make you love the books you already love even more. And it would make you not like the books you already. And it kind of, for someone like me that has a hard time making decisions and, you know, like I waffled back on not reading flash. You, you give me four issues of flash to catch up on because it's double shipping. 
I, I you made the decision for me. Yeah, you know? it was easier. So. Yeah. So as far as far as going forward with the show and what's going to be, we're going to talk about different things. We're going to have some questions. I've got a Patreon to do. We're going to have whatever movies we've been watching, games we've been playing, blah blah blah. Um. I do have some ideas for things in the next coming weeks because we definitely got at least a few weeks of this before we get any books I, back. I, I don't like the idea of leaving all the ideas to Pete. So me and Matt are gonna yeah. veto whatever we deem inappropriate. Yeah. Sure, you can pretend to have that power, but uh, and the point is, is that you know maybe some sort of quiz or something. I'll make Connor and Matt go head to head or something like that. That could be a fun segment on one of the weeks. Um, we talked about doing like another top 10 of movies from like a year gone past because we just did our top 10 of 2019 maybe we'll do a top 10 of like some previous year uh, or a top 10 that's more comics related maybe for something if we think of something that we can do it for uh, but we've done yeah. characters and villains before yeah. so we can't do that again but yeah, we, we, we've done, I mean they could be updated you know we, we change P knows who Starfire is now so oh, God. you know Shut up. <laughs> um, you know um where was I going to go with that? Um, oh, I was just thinking too. We we you know, uh, Tim's been recommending like smaller books mm. each day of these quarantines. We could do oh. something similar. We could review you know? Goldman. <laughs> That's read. I have the first ten issues on my bookshelf. Last time so, I read Goatman, I was blind drunk. I mean, so, I don't wow. know. I don't That's know. If, fault sitting, bud. Yeah, I don't think we could get those issues though, because I don't know if we're able to. I think Midnight Deliveries on Comicsology. We could get the two. That's, the, that's what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we 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 can read and review the two issues of Goatman that, and the Midnight Delivery. It's not like we don't know the sole creator of of the. <laughs> I'm sure there's ways for him to get them. I mean, again, I have them. Wait, uh, wait. First time I met Tim, he gave me the, the ten, first 10 issues. I thought you were going to suggest we should get the career on for an interview. <laughs> and I'm like, it's Tim. It's Tim. <laughs> get an we, we can. I'm just saying, like, I could talk cryptids with Tim for hours. We <laughs> almost pretending it was we got a highbrow excuse to interview, but it's just Tim. Tim, uh, who's literally a regular on another show on the same channel. Yeah. <laughs> it's great it's called synergy pete yes yes um, oh, dear. but yeah so i'm just saying like we're there there's there's options for goat man if we want <laughs> that's it if you, if you guys haven't read goat man and you can you know, like pete just said midnight delivery is on comiXology um yeah. go not only to support uh tim but go read a, a fun book while you're at it what else are you doing right now <laughs> like, I mean, they're, assuming, like, you know, they're, they're listening to us talk about shit for two hours. Yes. Right, but what I'm saying is, what other book are you? I know everyone has a, a back pile. I know I do. Um, but still, if you wanna, if you wanna support something, why not start with Timmy? Sure, I will see. Because I, I, I was, I mean, admittedly, it didn't happen this week because of Resident Evil Three came out. So more on that later. But yeah. you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe in this time off, like I'll. I'll read some backlog stuff or whatever to talk about that on the show but uh, i didn't do it this week but i will say there is something like as much as obviously we're all missing the comics right now and b- b- because us three specifically because we have the show we've never really been able to have a break right we are, we're always reading the books so we're up to date for the show there is something kind of nice the silver lining to this is that in a month say when the books come back i think we'll appreciate the time off and you know kind of love books again a little bit because we've had a little bit of absence you know what you what you're saying is you'll feel like you did after convergence (laughs) no because after convergence i just didn't come back (laughs) it's a bad bad example well well, then for you when you came back it it was rebirth Rebirth. and yes with with a vengeance okay sure yes okay we got we got the starfire book after convergence right that's when dcu started hell yeah so and 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 Bizarro. Yeah. I'm gonna hold on to some of these. I'm gonna hold on to some of these if we do recommendations. 
Um, I might have to reread Starfire at this yeah, time. Me I mean, too. I just bought a stack of like 10 books because uh-huh. they were dirt cheap. And I don't know when I'm going to read them. But I mean, I've got like at least a month off work. So I mean, they might get read. You have time. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I recommend books, like actual books, to my mother in law because she's been so bored because she's been off of work too because we both work for the schools out here. And so I had to dig through my stuff for stuff that she might like. And then I realized I was like, I have a very narrow taste preference when it comes to to actual books it's like techno thrillers and and uh non-fiction like yeah there's no in between like i'm I a horror a guy of, i read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy mm-hmm. and then like non-fiction stuff like yeah. a lot of history books which is weird yeah. but, you know but I, I literally just finished last night a book called the poppy war mm-hmm. which is kind of set in like a an alternate world of an alternate version of china Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very heavily inspired by like a, a Chinese Japanese war, and it's mm-hmm. um, it's got like you know, some like magic and gods and stuff, but it's all you know through this drug use perspective. Um, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of like Brave New World. If if you were forced to read that in high school, I never did. No. Oh yeah, so they they have like parties where they they dissolve their pills into ice cream, and then just go get zonked out. You know. Yeah, it's all about how like you know in 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 the real world history, yeah, uh, yeah the opium was a, a real problem for the mm-hmm. Chinese, and it was like, mm-hmm. a huge weakness for them in that war. Yep. And this kind of takes it and channels it into a link to the gods, like a literal mm-hmm. when they're high, they visit like a, a spiritual plane and oh, like, chasing the dragon, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, oh, it was really good. Uh, That's good. I need to get, I need to get who, a second soon. Who's who's the author on that one? Uh, I want to say the name. Her name is uh, R F. Quang, I think, okay. I'm, if I'm remembering right. There you go. Book recommendation by Connor. Yeah, uh, just before we get into questions, just sort of tangential stuff in relation to what's yeah. going on, uh, just looking at Marvel and I, I think movies, just all things that have been delayed because of everything. Uh, huh? Obviously, Black Widow got delayed uh, indefinitely before. Now it's got a date. Basically, what they've done yeah. is that all the Marvel slots that they had have all just shifted back one. So now Black Widow's going to be in November, yeah. which was originally Eternals Day. Eternals yeah. is now in February's date. I don't know what movie that was before. Yeah. I can't remember. Does but. that make this the only year in a in a long 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 time with only one marvel movie. it does yeah yeah the last does, time the last time was the first avengers in 2012 yeah oh really okay then i'll get because we, well, no, the first one. time we had two was what no because was it the first time it was we had, cap yeah it was cap and thor was the first time there was two. no no that's okay. not technically true because iron man and no. incredible hulk was the same year yeah that's so, but, true too. but believe it or not 2009 is the only year since the MCU started where there was a year yeah. skipped. That's the only right. year that was taken off yeah, since it started. Yeah. That said, so my wife does not like Scarlett Johansson. She just does not like her. Um, and so, so it's very hard for her to, to deal with Black Widow. And we, we got married on May 7th, which is typically Marvel weekend. So the, like, the last movie I saw uh, before I was married was Avengers. Um, so, so that's real cool. So every, you know, for the last couple of years, our anniversary weekend, we go see the Marvel movie. Well, now that's moved, right? Yeah. She was like, oh, that's fine. It was Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, whatever. Well, the weekend it moved to is her birthday weekend. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, so oh, look, either you're spending one of your big dates with Scarlett Johansson. That's just what I mean, on the bright happen. side, there's also Florence Pugh. Yeah. Well, again, so... and, and, and the sheriff who, you know, she kind of likes, from from Stranger Things. Yeah, David Harbour. Um, yeah, David Harbour. So it'll be fine. She's 
<laughs> it's just she really doesn't like Scarlett Johansson. She's on the banned list. Honestly, that's why when, I, a couple a couple weeks ago when when we were you know putting you know four actresses that you really love, I had to leave her off the list because I didn't want to deal with the wrath. <laughs> I feel like I'd be worried if I was her at your wedding. If if Avengers just came out. I'd be really worried that when asked if, you know, to say I do, if instead you would say assemble instead. <laughs> no. However, I did, uh, I did um, parody the Green Lantern Oath in my vows, uh, which of course she, she did. didn't know was coming. Um, and did she get the, it? Her, oh, she got it because she thought I was going to full go. And she, and she had to check my hand to make sure I wasn't wearing my, my GL ring. <laughs> uh, that came out with Blackest Night. Um, that said, I did have my, my foam Mjolnir that we took pictures with, um, you know, so yeah, of course, it, was, of course. it was a good time. Yeah. because well, what uh, one of the things with the movies is that I, I was kind of joking just the other day that, uh, I can't remember what movie get pushed, but it was something in May and it was like, okay, basically the next thing to get pushed now is like, I think the end of June and I think Candyman just got pushed to September, which was early June. Mm-hmm. We're basically at the point now where all the top guns got pushed top as well. Top guns got pushed as well. Yeah. So there's basically nothing until July now, big movie-wise, that's actually scheduled now. Everything's been pushed. What's coming out in July? Tanette. Yep. That's staying put put for now. But we we, we talked about this, you know, I think on the movie show uh, that we did last week, that if if it gets pushed, it's coming out in theaters. Nolan oh yeah, Nolan. Wait. Yeah, Nolan there's will. No way it's coming to home. Yeah, there's, there's some, never like, do that. New Mutants got pushed again. And I'm like, yeah, which? What are these fools? God damn it! Remind me after this to talk about Dark Phoenix for a second. Oh we'll yeah, second. we get to movies. Yeah, oh. you can talk about Dark Phoenix. I, uh, I mean, Artemis Fowl got the that's on Disney Plus. So they're, they're showing which, which is funny. <laughs> that means that Artemis Fowl is less of a priority to them than the New Mutants. <laughs> yes. Paul Brana. Honestly, I, I love those books as a kid. Um, and they kind of, it seems like they lost the spirit a little bit. Because yeah. from, from anyone who's not familiar, Armas Fowl is a Bond villain. His right. whole thing is he wants to rob the, 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 the fairies like, and steal all their gold. Like, he's a terrible he's the, person. He's the bad guy, and it's it's yeah. the fairy uh, of it, Lep Recon. I only read the first book because. Yeah, and it, uh, it's the fairy basically trying to stop him being stop quite him. so terrible over the course right. of a handful of and. Right still terrible um but that's but the point I, I we got that trailer with the last movie we saw and I, it was probably onward and i was just like this does not feel like artemis fowl the book that i read granted it's been a very long time i got the same vibes i did from percy jackson which those books while very kiddish handle greek mythology super super well mm-hmm. so when that first movie came out and that trailer just did not seem to match the tone mm-hmm. it was it was rough times and I, i'm getting that same vibe from artemis fowl so not surprised that's going well, straight to plus. Percy Jackson only existed to cash in Harry Potter's popularity. That's that's not true. Maybe as a movie. But oh, that's what book. I mean. I'm not talking about the books. I'm, oh, talk, okay. I'm talking about the movie. The yeah, movie yeah. only exists gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. to catch cash in those movies. Because oh, sure. I was going to say, funnily enough, the books were written by Rick Riordan because his son, son or daughter, was dyslexic, and he had created a reason why is that in order to read ancient Greek, dyslexia actually helps you. So he wrote that into the characters. It was like, yeah, yeah. it was like, so the, the idea yeah. of Percy Jackson is they're all like uh, sons or daughters of a god. Right. Um, like one of their parents is a god. They're, so they're all demigods. Yeah. And, and uh, one of the, yeah. the really common traits is the mm-hmm. dyslexia. 
right? And it helps you read the ancient Greek better and whatnot. And and then also he was a English teacher, I think. And this allowed him to break down the Greek myths in a way that you could teach it to kids of that age. Yeah. So even as someone that was that familiar, it would add you know spins onto it. And then he did it with I still haven't read the Norse ones because I, I did I got some Egyptian ones as well, right? An Egyptian as well. So yeah, but I, I only that's read why the Greek I was, ones. yeah, that's why I was super let down by the uh, by by the adaptation. <laughs> but again, that's what Artemis Fowl feels like. So good for Disney for knowing when to take an L and just yeah. throwing it. On there. Yeah, I think the, the the kids a lot of them had ADHD as well, and and uh-huh. that was kind of built into other battle instincts essentially. Right. Like, I was not expecting like, such a conversation on Percy Jackson Artemis Fowl yeah, on the show, those but were solid. here we are. Yeah. Uh, so let's get some questions then. Uh, there's a mix of stuff in here. Some of it's DC or comics related, and some of it isn't, and just kind of weird and wacky. Uh, mix of stuff. A couple of these are from last week as well that I kind of just held off because you know we had a lot to talk about last week, <laughs> unlike this week. Uh, well, yeah. there's no books except one Patreon book that I'll be doing later. Um, so yeah. Uh, so some some of the names may pop back up because I've got them in two batches because of different weeks. So if the same name pops up, just uh go with it but uh at Mr. Green you're scheduled to get executed tomorrow night what are you eating as your last meal Matt go <laughs> okay so I mean do I do the cheat answer where I, I make it a never ending thing so they can't execute me as long as I'm eating or do I have to pick a hard fast thing? nah one last meal gone okay so if that's the case I'm, I'm definitely going with breakfast and uh, I'm probably gonna get my black bear breakfast which consists of a three three to four egg hobo omelet which has everything in it so we're talking ham, onions, uh, what else is in there? Spinach, all that cheese, uh, hash browns, a big ass pancake, biscuits and gravy, and a side of toast. I'm going that's out with great. carbs. Oh, that's so good. I had a friend tell me one time when we went to breakfast before a con, he's like, you're not going to eat all that. Smash cut to, I can't believe you ate the whole thing. I was like, yeah, bro, I don't play around. It was a very Ron Swanson moment where, you know, they're like, that feeds a family of, of 12. I know what I'm about, son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Connor. <laughs> I'd probably go with a, a good roast dinner. Uh, lamb and beef as the meats, probably. Uh, you know, roast potatoes, obviously mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. Yorkshire puddings, carrots, broccoli, swede, the whole shebang, some good thick gravy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Uh, a roast is a good idea. I like a good carvery, especially with the unlimited mashed potato and gravy. But yeah, it's always nice. Yeah, I felt that was a really, really uh, English answer to go. You know, oh, yeah. Sunday roast. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's basically just the best version of meat and potatoes, right? That's basically what it yeah, is. Yeah, right. It's yeah. yeah. Uh, so and you can't fault that. Um, oh, parsnip. I forgot. Yeah, honey roast parsnips. Got to have those on there. As well. Sure. Um, I, I feel like I feel like I kind of shift a lot because I I gave up beef a while ago, so a lot of my my old timers have kind of oh, no. kind of went. Why did you give up beef? To be healthy, I just roll with me, all right. Just eat a lean, just eat a leaner cut. <laughs> nothing on nothing inherently unhealthy about beef. Yeah. I mean, if if they're eating a ribeye steak versus a tenderloin, yeah, because there's more fat. So if you're sure. trying to cut fat content, right? But if you just want the straight protein, you can. I mean, a New York strip steak, boom. I regret mentioning because I know I know what you two are like, right? Forget it. Just go on. Uh, so I, I feel like uh, there's something about fried rice that I can't just I just can't deny. So I, I like yep. fried rice uh, with the, probably a chicken katsu curry. I'll go Japanese with this. I think uh, nice sweet curry sauce with the crispy chicken. Yeah, nice and simple. 
Uh, I've only ever had Hawaiian chicken katsu because uh, mm. Hawaii is a melting pot of all the different cultures. So there's different spins, but their their katsu sauce. I don't think it's a curry, but it's a slightly spicy barbecue sauce that's uh, sweet and spicy. Oh, it's so good. So uh, hard to fault you there. Okay, you have to add a dessert to this now. Uh, which is, <laughs> I, 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 I'm good. I don't really eat desserts at all. So. Uh, he's, he's a weirdo. Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, hell, just like so, some warm chocolate cake with some nice cream. You know, not not ice cream, like just some whipped cream. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Uh, but alternatively, again, like a Sunday. I mean, as long as there's cream with a sweet thing, I'm quite happy. Quite, gotcha. <laughs> you know, that's I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I mine's probably a toss up between like the best dessert I've ever had was at Disney World, and it was this this wild berry um, cobbler with a like a honey lemon crust with blackberry ice cream mm. thrown on top and it was warm and cold which is one of my favorite things but like that's very specific so let's say they can't get that probably a key lime pie that's mm. probably my favorite okay it's just it which came out of a necessity because nobody else likes key lime pie so i know if i buy it it's mine because no one else is going to touch it <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't sweet. Uh, I, I okay. Have a sweet tooth okay. Like, I honestly sub, could not tell you the last time I ate a dessert. Okay. So then sub that for an afternoon or drink. Well, I, I, I just take a, some sort of whiskey, any whiskey in the world that I've never had, then uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for something that <laughs> yeah, I can afford and can't new. get. Whereas, yeah, you know, if, if you ask me personal preference right now, if, if I was reaching for something, it would mm -hmm. be different to what I, I would reach for tomorrow. Oh, so it, it would really depend on the day. Basically, yeah. there's too much booze that he likes that you can't pick a favorite. Yeah. It is. Shut up. You can pick a favorite <laughs> meal, which in theory, yeah. most people eat a lot of different types of food, but you can't yeah. pick a favorite booze. <laughs> Do you know what, no, do you know what it is? Because I narrowed it down. Uh, it's like, no, uh, it's a whiskey of some sort. Probably even a scotch. I can probably narrow, well, scotch or Japanese, but Japanese is basically scotch. It's it's one of those things. In, um, in terms of whiskey, Japanese whiskey is, is done in the scotch style. So it's, it's uh, you know, and the, it was pioneered by someone who lived in Scotland and came back over to Japan and, you know, and, and, and kind of right. transferred all those. You're welcome, Japan. Yeah. yeah, although they are well, then, damn fine. Well, stuff. and then you guys took Chinese food and made it better, right? That's true. So that's true. Like it's this is what's so cool about blending of cultures, right? You, you they come places and Indian take a little well. bit with there, it. There are multiple yeah. curries that that are as English or you know as British as right. it gets, depending on which right. curry you choose. Yeah, the most popular uh, curry in the UK is chicken tikka masala, and it was invented in Glasgow. So yeah, and the, the Balti, which is another really big popular one, is from just like by Birmingham way and, and mm -hmm. again they, they fit at home in, in you could go to any Indian restaurant in the UK and they will have those two very British curries right. uh, <laughs> alongside the menu in, in the regular curry section not in because a lot of Indian places will also have like the so, English section where oh you can order uh, a steak you really don't want a curry but it's just weird right but why? Yeah, at that point. Yeah, I don't know why you go there. I'm, I'm, pretty, always... I'm pretty sure most of the Chinese places I get takeaway from, the you know the Western section, they call it, oh. is literally just an omelette. It's like everything, you know, it's just all Chinese food, but then it's like the no, omelette. I'm, I'm not talking about takeaways. Yeah. I'm talking about if you go into sit in an Indian place, they will have an English section, which sure. will be like, you know, uh, fries, steak, a burger. Like, this is that, that's weird. always Where my point 
Is why, yeah, if you're going to get Indian, why is that on there? Like, I get they want to, you know, I, I want to provide for customers. All, okay, people who get dragged along with a group who don't yeah. like curry. Yeah, or well, food, so, so like, have something. I, I don't do sushi, right? Because I'm not a big fish fan uh, or, or seafood in general. So, like, when <laughs> if we go to a place where the people are getting sushi, if they don't have a chicken teriyaki bowl, I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> what else am I going to eat? I've never you had know? sushi in my life. Yeah, I don't. Granted, of the people I know that like it, love it. Like, there's kind of no in between. Like, my mother-in-law and her boyfriend go to a up until all of the craziness happened. They would go once a week and get it because that's how much they love sushi. Um, but yeah, me not not so much. Yeah, I never had sushi. I mean, I like I, I eat a lot of white fish because that's really common in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But uh, well, at I, that point, it's fried, right? So you're kind of like. Or, or do they have, like, the fillets? Great fillets, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you can do whatever. Like, we're, we're talking about, like, card haddock, mackerel. Mm. Uh, but those are all what I associate with fried food because of, from from our perspective, that's that's English cuisine. They, they are very commonly fried if you go to a, you know, like a, a chip Chitty, shop. Right? Uh, but yeah. if you just go to, like, you know, the, the, the supermarket, they will have just, you know, the okay. fish there and you can do what you want with it. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll have a, a fish counter usually. You can slap somewhere in the fish with it for self defense if you want, but it's there. You can just get I a fish. I've definitely slapped someone with a fish that I bought at a supermarket before. Of course you have. Of course you have. I was I was given advice, uh, self defense advice on my stream, and I said the best weapon yeah. for self defense is a is a dead fish. So uh, yeah, it, it, no, it puts, they they run right away. They do. Well, yeah. Well, you don't hit them that hard. They're like, what, what the hell's going on? This is a fish. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly found myself in a cartoon. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to some other questions. So <laughs> that one went places. Uh, so we got we got a few from uh, Atlas of Goose eighty five. Um, spread it over two weeks actually. I think. Uh, so first of all, this is DC related. Uh, which crisis is your favorite? Uh, which would be the least favorite? So uh, are we all going to send for it for for yeah. best? Yeah, that's the, that's the one that brought us here, right? Pretty like, much. That's, that's I mean, my era. So. I actually really like Identity Crisis, but it's not really a crisis in, in the crisis sense. I mean, yeah, it's a better crisis than Heroes in Crisis. I was going to say that. I, I was yes. thinking, what's my least favorite crisis? And then yeah. I went, oh, yeah, Heroes in Crisis is technically You know a what? The Zero Hour count as a crisis? I'm not that big on that I one. mean, it does say in the title, it, it says Zero right. Hour Crisis in Time, so... Right, I mean... right. <laughs> I mean, that one I'm not too big on. Um... If we're going strictly with things with the the crisis and the t- probably final crisis, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. Uh, you know, it's, no. it's not bad. I'd still have to like, read it again. I like the idea. I just don't like the execute. Like, I don't like that the his Batman dead ends mm. at final yeah. crisis and then yeah, picks like, up. You know, it's... like the parts of it I don't like, but as a full story and what it means for Darkseid and the Fifth World and you know, if it's yeah, fine. also if... countdown, countdown, not yeah, good. but that's just that's not a crisis kind of... though. Uh-huh. That, that's no. the lead into infinite so yeah. really uh i mean if i yeah if we're counting heroes in crisis then that's the worst one but if we if we aren't then yeah yeah if, if, yeah, we're, I, I if we're only counting the big four which is you know crisis infinite final wait mm. big three <laughs> the big three that was big four yeah. well, identity. The one is coming I, I think identity is what i usually think of as the fourth but i mean we're kind of yeah. yeah it's identity is such a weird one where it's a it's such a different kind of crisis but is Still regarded as a crisis. Mm-hmm. You know what tripped me out this week was Brad Meltzer put up a picture of his son getting accepted to Michigan, which is the school he went to. And it tripped me out that that guy has a son. I remember him talking about his son 
around that time, you know, mm-hmm. playing with the superhero action figures and whatnot. And now he's like a doctor. And now his son, <laughs> yeah, now, now his son's going to college and like, ah, it blows my mind. Like to me, Brad Meltzer's still the same guy. And you know, uh, and when you open up Identity Crisis and on the back panel, there's that picture of him, yeah, like casually leaning on the tree. But no, I mean he's aged. <laughs> since oh yeah. Then. No, this this is the problem with uh with authors' headshots because mm-hmm. you know t- typically authors hate doing headshots as a rule. Yeah. Like it's just something that they begrudgingly do once a decade because right. they feel like they're obligated to. But they get out. They're always outdated because they hate doing them, and so mm-hmm. you have such a warped image of them in your head uh, unless you follow them on Twitter now. Which, For the you know, longest time, I thought Wizard was using a picture of Michael Chiklis for buying Michael Bendis. Because <laughs> <laughs> that picture that they used, he looked so much like Michael Chiklis. And I was like, oh, they're the same guy. Um, and now, now I mean, he's lost him because he was sick. He's mm-hmm. lost some weight. He's He looks like Michael Chiklis' younger brother. You know? That's so, pretty funny. Yeah, it's... Um... Okay, here's another question yeah. for the same person. Uh, probably discussed at some point, but which characters outside of DC would you be interested in John's rating? Uh, we may have thought about this at some point. I don't remember, though. I don't remember if we have. Honestly, it's a hard question to answer because a lot of what I like about John's is how much he cares about what he's writing. And, and the, the reason his you know, Green Lantern is so good, for example, is that he had such a love of Green Lantern and the DC cosmos that he's yeah. like, oh, no, this is what I'm going to I mean, It's hard to go, well, you know, he, he, him applying that without maybe that passion. I mean, assuming he has the passion, like, there's very few Marvel characters that I, I don't think he'd work with. Like, I mean, the obvious ones would be Cap, maybe X-Men, maybe Spider-Man. Like, I wouldn't want him on, say, Daredevil, but that's kind of because I don't think of John as a good Batman writer, so I wouldn't put him on Daredevil or those types of characters. But ultimately, I mean... I'd probably be into whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have any. No, Iron Man. I don't care about Iron Man as a comic book character that much. Um, like, I love Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in the movies, right? But I've never connected to him. But you give Johns that ability to rewrite some of the crazier things that have happened. Like, I don't know if you guys are up to date with Avengers, but they there's this, in the last one, they had this big reveal about his origin. And I feel yeah. like Johns, as much as I love Aaron, I feel like John's can massage what, that retcon. What, what's so weird is so that that's going around in Avengers, and at the same time, I believe the Iron Man book, he is like a clone or something. Sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know <laughs> what the hell's going on in that yeah. book. Um. So yeah, or or even I like to see what a with with Immortal Hulk being like a completely atypical Hulk book. I wonder what a John's Hulk book would be like. Just like what he would do with Banner, because it's it, it's he loves Firestorm, right? And with what they're doing with Immortal Hulk, it's similar. The all the different personas mm-hmm. are vying. Yeah. That I wonder what he would do with uh, with, with Hulk. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, basically, truth is, whatever he wants to do, Anthony's passionate about. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. That said, I'm happily keep him locked up at DC forever. I mean, if that's a possibility, uh, and he might be, we haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah. Final. So uh, Jeff, if you're okay, <laughs> let us know, bud. Final question from Melissa of Goose eighty five: Can Connor say something nice about Bendis? No. There you go. Uh, no. Uh, no. No. If I'm being genuine, um, <laughs> as a writer, probably not. Uh, but I mean, as a person, sure. I mean, he he posts a lot of like Tumblr blog lists of stuff and. Seems yeah, like a like a good dude overall. I've got no problem with him. 
Okay, okay. And if it's not for him, we don't get into the Spider-Verse, which we all love, right? There you sure? go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, say, I've got no problem with him as a, as a person. You know, and, and, you know, whenever he writes stuff about the, the comics industry, which he does every so often, yeah. every does, they're, they're really good reads in, in that sense. Um, uh, but, I mean, I just don't enjoy his, his stories. It's, uh, it, it's a similar thing to what I think a lot of people feel about maybe Grant Morrison, in that mm-hmm. they hate his stories because he just kind of goes off on one. But if you read his uh, his uh, his book, Super, um, Gods. Super Gods, the way he, he just talks about you know the, the industry and well, the, the history of it is something completely different. So, I think a lot of people. Yeah, I, I had a love hate with him until I heard him on Kevin Smith's Batman on Batman, where he just starts going off on what <laughs> superheroes mean to him, and and we have the famous Scorpion story, the Scorpion assassins, and all that. But like just to hear him nerd out over Wonder Woman, and like that's where his idea came from for the Earth One book. Yeah, it made me less mad that they stole that from Rucka, right? It, it makes me like appreciate even the stories that I don't enjoy as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can appreciate his, his idea and his his enthusiasm yeah. and passion. I, I feel like with Ben, I, I don't like his writing mm-hmm. at all. But I I think he he's not coming from a, a place of malice or anything like that. He's not he's not out no. to get me. He's like, just no no. He he cares about his ideas and he's trying. Mm-hmm. It's just not working and, for me. I feel they're both of the idea that no one can rein them in because they're such a force, right? Like not, yeah. not necessarily, but like I'm not a big fan of full Morrison, right? And I know Connor's not a, a big fan of full Bendis, but I'll I'll take a, a like clause, <laughs> which gets pretty pretty weird with Morrison, right? Yeah. But it's still a pretty straightforward story about the origin of Santa Claus, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That's what I want. As you do, uh, from at Tufty underscore W twenty three and oh no, yeah, no. I know that name. <laughs> yeah, you know that name. Uh, <laughs> which for right now, actually, his Twitter name is James the Unsanctioned Buffoon. I don't know where that changed or where it came from, but whatever. Here's his question, <laughs> which he's just been a troll at this point. But what is the best adaptation of Batman, and why is it Batman Forever? <laughs> <laughs> because neon. Uh, because James, you were dropped in your head repeatedly as a child, uh, and it is misshapen for that reason, and it has left some serious brain also, damage. I, I'm not surprised he's not saying Batman sixty six. Like that's what James. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain that's his second favorite. Yeah, yes. like I just knowing him as long as we've known him now, I just I'm always surprised when he brings it forever. And now I know it's like a joke answer, but like. His sensibilities is Batman sixty six. So yeah. it's boiling yeah. acid. That's that yeah. movie. Just in case anyone's. That, that said, that one is my favorite of those movies, of of the pre Nolan. Oh, the four. Batmans. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, Tom Lee Jones is Two Face. He's not Two Face, but whatever he does, I'm there for. Because it's Tom Lee Jones, like you've never seen him before, right? You're not wrong. Can I just say same, I love? Same with- I loved it about Batman Forever, how he gets the scarring only in one half of his face. It's because he holds up a file. <laughs> he holds up yeah. a bit of paper as the axe is hitting him in the face. Yeah. Also, as a kid, I thought his secret lair that was two halves, and you have Drew Barrymore as Sugar and Debbie Mazar as Spice. I was like, that's so cool. Man, <laughs> Two-Face is the best. Oh, and then I, understood, I tried to understand who Two-Face is via reading comics. I was like, oh, they missed it hard. Uh, yeah. And yet you're still back around to Two Faces the best. Right. That's, I, I, yeah, you know, apparently so. so the, clearly, is. the important things were translated. 
because they were you, you, you came out with the the right opinion okay yeah. couple couple things about natty knuckles on twitter uh one i, I did ask a couple, for people to send in some of their favorite moments uh, a couple of people did mention one he was one of them uh mentioned that one of his favorites is from episode one uh, at the two minute mark and i watched this to see what it was like uh, at the yeah. two minute mark apparently i get mad at connor because his phone goes off uh and the very first episode of the show and what's funny about it is connor immediately gets defensive as soon as it goes off because it's really it's like really noticeable it's like do 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 and he just goes i turned it off and he starts yelling that he turned it off and then i threatened <laughs> my phone actually does this every so often where it turns itself off of silent. It's, it's led to some very awkward situations at work, for example, where it will just start ringing, and I'm like, I know you were on bloody silent. I do not take this off silent at all. It just occasionally just rings, and I'm like, what are you yes. doing? That was the first time. I mean, I assume it's the first time. Unless I somehow fit one of these in in the first two minutes, that had to be the first time that I threatened to murder Connor on the podcast. But <laughs> at least uh, on this podcast. At least, at least on this podcast, yes. Uh, but uh, some uh, questions uh, from the same person as well. One question in particular. Uh, basically, if if I each of the main members of the justice league got a 12 issue series which creative teams would we want on like each person's book like if we and when we're saying the main are we doing like the, the three the seven i would a, a month because three would be the trinity so it has to be at least five i'd assume if not the full seven oh. um you have to pick one for everyone because I, I feel like superman batman like they get tons of books anyway it's fine um <laughs> we all know my answer for wonder woman so is this Rocky and Evil? Uh, evil, yeah, Evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Evil, yeah. <laughs> the team that brought us issue eight. Of course, yes. <laughs> why, why? Who else would it be? Uh, no. I, I, I don't know. I, I would go because I feel like for me, hey. we already had the Superman Wade book, right? We had that. That was birthright. Yeah, birthright. That, that, that already exists. My, my favorite book of all time. There you go. Um, Batman's had tons of great minis and maxi mm-hmm. series. He doesn't need any more. Uh, but it is true that you know some of the other characters, you know, Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, uh, like these characters don't have that one twelve issue book you can recommend as a standalone thing for the most part. They t- you know they have runs that are really good, and you say, hey, read this run because it's great. Matt, you might, 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 might. There we go. <laughs> you could just, you could, we could hear it going just for like half a second before. <laughs> no, he's not gonna stop in time. Yeah. <laughs> So you're telling me Flash Year One's not, you know, must read? <sighs> That's might shock you, Matt. But yes, I am indeed saying that. Yes. Um, you know what? After seeing what Venditti did with, uh, with Hawkman, I want to see what he would do with Martian Manhunter. Okay. All right. Because you could still work in the current, like, let, let's say, you know, G Five's going ahead and Wonder Woman appears first. You could play with the Martian Manhunter came here in the 40s or 50s and has been laying low until the rest of the superheroes start. You know what I mean? That, that would be kind of fun, him being the, you know, just being like oh. a PI. Yeah. Like, to just do a noir story mm-hmm. before any superheroes are out. Yeah. So he really has the incentive to stay guarded and not show his true form, you know, and you could even tie it to his origin like Orlando tried to do. In the book that I couldn't finish. I think um, if I'm going to pick any Justice League member to get the uh, the Garrods Tom King 12 issue mm-hmm. treatment, it would be Martian Manhunter. I think Flash, I'd want fun, so I'd go with Tom Taylor, and I don't pick a good artist to go with to go with that. 
Let's go with uh, Sam Pierre. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Sam Pierre was great on Suicide Squad last time. And yeah, that, that's... I think they've done Flash before. Um, Green Lantern, I mean, what, I mean, I assume we're talking about Hal. If we're talking about the Big Seven, I guess we're talking well, about Well, I mean, you could probably be any make of an them. argument for John. Or yeah. Really yeah, as well. Um, who, who do they want as a John Stewart book? You kind of want a no-nonsense writer. So that's kind of John in a nutshell. Actually, I wouldn't mind King and, and Garrett's like, because then you could tie in the as Marine. A, yeah, as a vet, yeah. The, yeah, uh, and then him, him coming back as, a, as an architect. Like, not to paint them into that box, but I think they could... Because when you think about it, outside of... of um, what was the planet that he, that he was, like, asleep on the job that got destroyed that haunts him still? Oh. Like, outside of that, he's relatively trauma-free. So if you want a story about a, a, a vet adapting to life, I think John Stewart... Uh, give me a... Tamaki and Joel Jones on uh, Hot Girl. Assuming she's one of the yeah. seven. I'm going, yeah. I'm going with the animated series line up here for the sake yeah, of... I was going to say, no, why, no. why would she be one of the seven? Yeah. But, I mean, sure. Well, and then you also look <laughs> at the, the, the current... or the, the... You've kind of just thrown Aquaman under the bus, but whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, sure, but... Okay, Aquaman... I have my Aquaman team. I, I, I can recommend uh, the, the, the Kelly Sue stuff right now. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I mean, all the characters have things we can recommend. I think it's yeah. just, okay, the definitive, like, 12-issue series. Right. Um, Aquaman, I mean, I guess you'd go with this. Hmm. I don't know. I have no idea who I'd pick for Aquaman. You know what? This is a dream listing, right? I don't have to pick someone that's currently working at, at No, of course DC. not. So give me a Jason Aaron Aquaman. Sure. I want to see what he does there. Like, does he does he go more towards the Earth life? Does he go back to Atlantis? Like, how's he balancing the 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 Mara stuff? Basically, you want Thor, but with Aquaman. Not necessarily, because there's other stuff that I like from from Aaron. Like Southern, think think Southern bastards with Aquaman. Sure, I, no, I, I get it. it. It was more just when you were talking about the, the stuff with Atlantis. You, you're playing the the, the other world right? politics as well. You know, it, it kind yeah. of felt very. This is more of a taste thing, admittedly, but I would I would maybe go away from Jason Aaron on Aquaman and I'd go more to the aqua horror of it and I'd get Fraser Irving to do the art for it. Twelve issues of Fraser Irving art underwater. Yeah. Yeah. Writer, I'm not sure, but that's that's what I'm I'm seeing him in these dark spaces underwater with this beautiful art. Also Albuquerque too, with the horror aspect. Yeah, who could tell a great twelve issue Green Lantern story? Mm-hmm. Morrison. Shut up, mate. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, you could, but I'm not going to read it. <laughs> I don't care if sure it's on there or not. Uh, oh, it's too weird for me. Thanks. Uh, uh, but no, um, who is a Flash? Who do oh, I go for? Uh, if it's Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, we don't mention him yet. Jody Hauser. 12 issues of Kyle That's Rayner. Because it's never going to be Kyle Rayner. Shut yeah. up! Shut up! It could be Kyle Rayner. I feel like it could be Jessica then. I'd stick with Jody Hauser. If it, yeah. That's fine by me too. Yeah. Um, there you go. That's All right, let's let's move on. To this one. <laughs> uh, thanks. Uh, so if I go over to the emails here quickly, uh, from Matt Barry, not Matt Barry, just in case uh, I was confused. Honestly, it was the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> well, when you said Me too, because we just talked about him, yeah. and uh, I was like, "Wow, where'd he get yeah. out?" I asked a few here. I'll, I'll ask one or two of these. Um, so 
I'll do the more serious one first. Uh, what non-comic creator would you like to see become a comic creator like J.J. Abrams did with his son in his Superman series? Uh, I don't know if I... I think this has kind of come up before and I have no real answer, to be honest. Um, I'm thinking from TV, like, I want to see what the Duffer Brothers could do. Like, give them, mm. you know... Uh, right, so with comics, they can kind of do what they want. They're not limited to budget. So, like, their idea for Stranger Things with Montauk, I'd like to see their Montauk comic It's kind story. of weird because I feel like people who I think are good at TV, I'd rather keep making TV. And people who are good at comics, mm-hmm. I want them to keep making comics. People who are good at movies, right. I want to keep making movies. You know, I, I don't really want them to change. Because, um, <laughs> I think for a long time, I, I, I like how the, the go-to thing there was J.J. Was Abrams, just because it was the, mm-hmm. the more recent example. But obviously, the big traditional answer to this question was Joss Whedon. Yes. Right. who obviously moved from TV and did uh, his uh, Astonishing X-Men. Yeah. Well, which, uh, which is the noble one, because it's one thing when he did a little bit of Buffy or Angel, because, okay, that's a continuation of his things. That's his story, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, no, he he got, he got an X-Men book for, you know, 24 issues. one of my favorite X-Men stories. Yeah, and, uh, no, it is great. And that new show that he is still, I think, working on, we haven't the heard HBO. that in a long yeah. time, the, the HBO one, um, like Victorian superpowers, whatever it was, that was originally a comic. But it was announced as a comic. It was at uh, it was at San Diego oh. years ago, uh, three or four years ago now, and it was announced like it had like concept art and everything. It was like no, no, no this is a thing. And then about a year later, it's like this is a TV show now instead. Yeah, it's called The Nevers, by the way. That's it. Thank you. Gotcha. Mm, the Nevers. Um, I a Taika Waititi comic. I don't know what it's about, but I want it. Uh, also. The person that was we, we had all agreed we're not doing April Fools this year. So the the person that got me to click on Taika walking from Love and Thunder, come find me. I got a fist for you. <laughs> that actually not neatly sends into the more jokey question that Matt sent, uh, which mm-hmm. is which of the hosts would win a free for all fight to the death if was a handicap here if Matt was only able to use one arm. <laughs> <laughs> that takes a lot of my power because I have a lot of holds. I'm a submission type. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I love the assumption that Matt would obviously win if he's if there's no mm. handicap. To be fair, Matt is the only one of us who actively does any sort of working out. I mean, I've taken yeah, I've also taken jujitsu. I wrestled in high school. I did a um, little bit of kung fu in high school. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I could, Granted, I, could I don't know this. if I could catch. I don't know if I could catch Connor because he's spindly. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I can just wriggle out of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I so I can still use my feet. So I'm, I am pretty sure I, I could just work. I wonder if I could work a, a Kimura. Because here's the thing: I don't want to murder anybody. I just want to let them know that, you know, that that I could have, but I chose not to. Um, it depends. Are, are we allowed weapons? Oh, for allowed weapons, you guys are screwed. <laughs> so I could swing a I could swing a stick or a hammer with one hand, an axe. <laughs> um, I mean, as long as I get to kill Connor before Matt kills me, I think I'm satisfied. I, I, I'm happy with that as a, as a performance. Like you think you could? Uh, see, that's that's the money. This is what I I take bets on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm see you uh, I'm fairly oh, sure that's illegal, but I mean, we can give it a try. It's like I took kung fu in high school. I did take kung fu in high school. <laughs> as uh, if that like matters. Yeah. It may matter. It may matter. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I've never been in a fight in my goddamn life. I'm not trying to start now. I'm a civilized individual. I might be able individual. to one-arm suplex Connor. 
I might. <laughs> Depending how much he weighs. Because when, when my little brother was here, I had to remind him that as strong as he gets from work, I can still pick him up with no problem and put him over my shoulder. Um, and yeah. So, I have no idea. And that, that was one-handed. Carl's easy to kill. You just wait for the hiccup fit to take him. He'll get distracted <laughs> for a second, then he can strike. Yeah. I, I've been in exactly one fight in my life. Yeah. And it went pretty well. That's good. <laughs> it went pretty yeah. well. I mean, the guy punched me, and then I, I punched him back and knocked his tooth out. And that was it. That said, I've been in more altercations than actual fights. Um, oh, sure. Because they tend not to go that way, you know. Um, and that, that's not on me. That's my, you know, let's talk this through before something bad happens. You know, I'm again, I'm five foot seven on a good day. I'm not actually that intimidating, uh, <laughs> but don't, 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 don't misunderstand that. I can still, if, if need be. No, like, now I've just got a visual in my head. People are uh, more intense because they feel like they've got to make up for it. Yeah. A little bit. I, know, I know a guy See, who's five foot six. Who it, it wasn't like scrawny and like, it was just short, right? Yeah. And uh, like two years after after finish school, it's like no, no, he's a bouncer now, and everyone's terrified of him. Yeah, because he's just like you. Also, being shorter, you end up having more leverage on people because you know lower man lower wins. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, you know that's yeah, why no, I, I relate to, but, to puck on Alpha Flight so much. Right but now, I've just got Any a visual. In my, I've just got a visual in my head now, though, of holding Matt back with you know my hand on his head, and I'm trying to swing at me and not be able to reach. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a comedy skit in here somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> I almost broke that down like Dwight. No, see, I would grab your arm, break it to the elbow, <laughs> put it behind your back, and then you'd be done. <laughs> let the joke land, man. Just let the joke land. It's fine. We can move on with the lives. All right. Uh, from uh, Emil Kildi on, on the emails, um, gave us a memorable moment. Uh, th- uh, didn't mention what episode this was or anything, but it just says, memorable moment for, to the podcast was when Pete did an impression of Darkseid as Tommy Wiseau from The Room. I was squatting while listening and damn near fell and snapped my neck. I'll take points for that. Uh, oh, shit. Don't listen to funny things while you squat, man. <laughs> this music exists. <laughs> Come on. I think uh, better advice is just don't bother squatting. Well, I mean, no, but squatting is the best lift you can do for full body. It sucks and you hate yourself the next day, but sense of accomplishment. Mm. So good, good on you for squatting. However, I learned that lesson the hard way when I started working out again because I mostly listen to podcasts. Music's the way to go for that. Because, um, again, you'll fall and almost break your neck. Okay, so here's the question that they sent, though. No. Uh, the question will probably cause a lot of discussion, intrigue, anger, and will lately leave scars in your friendship and will never quite heal. Here we I go. Was... What is the best movie snack? Factors to consider. Deliciousness, noise, messiness, smell, and uh, satiety. Satiety? Is that the word I'm yeah, saying? Right? Yeah. Like, how much does it make, leave you satisfied? There you go. Uh, I'll eat popcorn until I get sick. The real like, answer. Cannot... Oh, I'm, still, I'm still reading the question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the real answer, by the way, is peanut butter cups. Uh, they are ahead in every category except perhaps messiness. Eating chocolate in the dark makes me a dirty boy. <laughs> that was very, very specifically I mean, worded. Uh, <laughs> popcorn. I mean, I, I can't eat chocolate anyway, so that that's out the window. Yeah. Um, we we can't get large popcorn because I'll just keep eating it until it's gone. Mm-hmm. That's my uh, problem as well. I'm like, like a dog, like it's just, I it's it's just empty air, so it's yeah, just, it, it will well, just keep going until I. And then the mm-hmm. and more then with life. the butter topping, my I end up feeling kind of gross for the rest of the day, but I can't help myself. 
Um, but so popcorn, but I like to add caramel M&Ms into it. So you get the salty with the sweet. Mm, that sounds pretty good. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I like popcorn, but I never get salty popcorn. I hate salty popcorn. But uh, <laughs> so popcorn's all right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I, just, I tend to get sweet if I've got the choice. But I mean, hey, if you hand me a, some some sour popcorn, I'm gonna enjoy it. I just don't like anything that I can like noticeably taste salt in. <laughs> Basically, so you don't eat you don't eat as you would call them crisps. You're not a crisps guy. I eat some crisps, but I don't eat I don't eat the the, the heavy salty flavors. Presumably not ready salted or salt and vinegar, yeah. which are the two salt heavy flavors. Oh, yeah, I hate those. I love salt and vinegar chips. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so. My two go-tos are, I mean, I like M&M's, specifically crispy M&M's are my favorite. I mean, I, I like, a, I tried that, they've got a new salty caramel flavor, and those are quite nice, yeah. but not as good yeah, as crispy. Yeah, uh, I also like chili's flavored peanuts, really good snack. Uh, I dig those. My, uh, my, my peanuts of choice tend to be the honey roast ones. Yeah, it's mm. pretty good. Mm. Uh, I, I went through an era where I would bring a bag of sunflower seeds and uh, bring, a, bring a bag to put them into because I'm not a savage. Um, th- those are always pretty good. Um, uh, over over the stuff like peanuts, yeah, popcorn. It's just it it's there. There's a reason that every movie theater sells popcorn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically a, a case of like, if I want something that's a bit more, I mean, not savory is not the right word, but nuts are sort of not mm-hmm. in any of the other categories, and then. If I want right. something chocolate, it'll be crispy M&M's or whatever. And if I'm in the, the, the occasion where I want something a bit more sort of sweet, I'll go with some Skittles uh, for something a bit fruitier flavor. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not. I used to I used to sneak in Everlasting Gobstoppers, which are like little tiny jawbreakers, and and throw them into my soda, and it would make my soda taste like different stuff. Uh, man, those back in the days with kids were. <laughs> you didn't care about what you ate as much as you do now. Oh yeah, that uh, sounds like just a sugar overload. Yeah, it. sugar rush. That, so, feel, that feels like you're just basically taunting diabetes. You're just like, come yeah, on, come at me, like, come at me. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So I don't know. It tends to be like chocolatey, salty. Now my wife's a big peanut butter cup, so that that's her go-to. Like yeah. I like peanut butter cups. Uh, I don't tend to eat them when I'm watching yeah. movies, though. Yeah, no. Though that's just her thing we'll, we'll bring those in um we're, we're pretty bad smuggling those kind of snacks in, but we always well nine times out of ten we buy popcorn because hey you're supporting the theater that way you know because that's where they're making the majority of their money and i get points on my you know i used to when the theaters are open uh, <laughs> on my my account for every purchase so those add up when, when you're paying eight nine dollars for a large popcorn they you know you end up gaining the the, the free points for you know stuff Pretty quick, anyways. Um, but yeah, I don't know that was too scarring. I mean, we know Connor can't eat, you know, chocolate too it's much. Not, not for lack of like one. Mm. I, I never ate like a ton of chocolate, but I, I would yeah. have some M and M's, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I wish we could get the crispy M and M's. We can't get those anymore. Oh, I love um, those. Are at, at least none of the stores around me sell them because I've looked because they were so good. It's like the best part of a Kit Kat, you know, plus plus the candy shell. That's solid. Uh, I never liked them as much as the peanut ones, though. Like, I'm just, you know, yeah. I prefer them to the peanut ones. I mean, I like peanut M&Ms, but I prefer the crispy ones. I, I tend to be really, like, I used to see, like, you know, chocolate peanuts, chocolate raisins, mm-hmm. yogurt-covered raisins was really good. Uh, what about Stuff chocolate like pretzels? You I'm not, I don't really like pretzels so much. No? Damn. No. That's another salty sweet that... I, I yeah, it's just not really my favorite. Um, a pretzel... Because yeah, a lot of the hard pretzels I'm into the big soft pretzels you could buy at like stands and stuff. I had one of them oh. once and I thought that was okay dipped in caramel, but I mean, 
And that's if, oh, that's when you dip them in cheese. Not, not so much. So it's not so much a sweet. It's definitely more of a savory. Mm. Uh, my the stadium where the Knights play have the best nacho cheese. As I found the last game I went to, um, uh, you could eat it just by itself if the you la- wanted to. The last game he'll ever go to. Shh, don't say that. <laughs> it's done, Matt. Sports are done. No, for now. <laughs> we'll be back. I mean, I, I am quite good because right now. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be sitting here pretending to listen to you two yabber on while I have the snooker, you know, the, the, the world championship on the other screen. And it's just not happening. And it's quite sad. That's a crying shame. How could we ever uh, move on from that? Yeah, I'm uh, supposed to be watching baseball right now too, Connor. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Would you two stop watching sports during the podcast? Jesus Christ. Actually, you've never had a problem before. Pay attention to what's going on. It's only a problem when the Knights are playing. Right, because then I get way more invested in what's going on there. With baseball, though, I can look every so often. Mm. It, I, I think the real crux is if Peter's never noticed that we're watching yeah. the sports during the show, it's clearly not a problem. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's Matt doing. Like I said, unless he's the next game. Yeah. You, I feel like I do sometimes see your eyes drifting to the side. Uh huh. Name one example. What do you mean, name one example? What was supposed to give me a timestamp of a previous episode? Be like... Exactly. Go, go and find proof of where you think I was watching some sports. Mm. Always. And, and the only reason Matt's eyes don't drift to the side is because he's only got the one screen to look at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, no, I put, it, at the same no I, I put it right here. Yeah. yeah it, it goes up on the phone. I just put my phone up against yeah. the screen. Yeah, difference. Whereas if I'm yeah. looking dead at you guys, it's there. Whereas the screen with the sports would be there. So yeah. Matt's, Matt's, Matt's tactic is basically the, the auto cue. He's got it right under where he's supposed to be looking at anyway, so it doesn't actually yeah. come across I that mean, no, if you want, I can just look at the sports instead of you guys, and then that'll solve the problem. And then it's called Paul and Mario. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'll wrap up the questions portion of the show. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. Uh, we'll probably ask for some more next week. I think next week... Uh, it's kind of a main event. Uh, maybe I'll do a wee quiz. I'll, I'll, I'll write a wee quiz for these two to go head to head on the show. Yeah, let's see if me and Matt will go along with that. Have some fun. What do you mean go along? Why would you refuse? Well, maybe maybe we're going to come up with some ideas of our own. I want to hold my breath. Pete, have you seen the video uh, of Darby Allen and his girlfriend wrestling through their house? I have seen that. I saw him do a coffin drop in a, like a store off the counter. Okay. I've seen that one. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna tweet it out right now. Just retweet it. Right. It's very funny. That guy's a star. It's it's so stupid. Nothing about him I should like. Like I don't like his style of wrestling, but I can't not watch him and like him. Yeah, I mean, AEW's like, he... not even existed a full year yet, and it already feels like they've got five stars that are kind of at various yeah. points in the the path of yeah. being huge. And I, oh, man, and like, like, so I I really liked, um. Murderhawk, I'm drawing a blank right now on his name, Lance Archer, before. Mm-hmm. Like, G1 is great. Him beating down Marco Stunt and then throwing him into the crowd. I know Lance Archer's a safe worker because I've talked with people that have worked with him. So to make it look like he did not care about Marco Stunt, mm-hmm. that that's right there as a performance. Did you say Jungle like, Boy? It was Marco Stunt, right? It was Marco Stunt. 
I thought you said Jungle Boy. Maybe I misheard no. something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, threw yeah, Marco yeah, the, people were upset about that. He's like, oh, this is no different than what WWE does. Well, it's like, well, no. Now this sets up him versus Jungle Boy or Luchasaurus, which is a match I can 100% get behind. Yeah, so it starts you know with, you'll, you'll go to Jungle Boy and then you'll eventually face right. Luchasaurus and it'll be a, more of right. a, a horse fight. Yeah, that's, that's how which, it'll work. Which cracks me up because that's like a, a Pokemon evolution, right? Marco Stein becomes Jungle Boy because <laughs> of Luchasaurus. Like, yeah. I mean, okay, we actually record, so I guess this is the wrestling yeah. talk. Yeah, I, let's go. I wasn't, I wasn't doing this next, but Connor decided to go oh. get a drink, so here we yeah. are. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so we've actually spoken about any of this since, since the Empty Arena show yeah. started. Yeah. Uh, so it's been kind of a weird three weeks where we had wrestlers in the audience for week one, mm-hmm. and then they moved to a different. Well, week two there was no wrestlers in the audience because they weren't allowed to backstage. But then yep. this week they they recorded in a secret location in a different state, so they could have wrestlers mm-hmm. around the ring again. And mm-hmm. apparently they recorded enough stuff in the past week to last until mid May if they don't if they can't record anything else right. till then. So. Uh, and when, the big thing they're doing obviously is this tournament for the TNT Championship mm-hmm. um, obviously there's jokes people have made about oh I can't wait for the Weather Channel Championship or I can't wait for the right. this or that but uh, to be fair their name is Dynamite the show's called Dynamite TNT kind of goes with it it works it, exactly I have zero problems with this it sounds better than Intercontinental right mm-hmm. which has been done to death or United States which or North American like all the companies rip off each other so you know would I ever want NXT to have a USA title. I mean, they kind of already do with the North American, right? Mm-hmm. Like that name's not any different. So it's fine. I but do. People, I do yeah. hope they have a different set of rules for this belt. Like, you know, maybe it's like the mm-hmm. matches have to be like 10 minute time limit or something, just something yeah. to separate it from the, the main one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be yeah. Good. Uh, like, like don't make it a lower card belt. Make it feel special. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't need a 24-7 designation, right? Where it always has to be defended. Oh, of course and, not, yeah. And all that type of stupid stuff. But, like you said, 10-minute time limit or, you know... Maybe it has to uh, be defended every week or right. like a TV title or, or like, something, you it, know. It, it's either going to be on Dynamite or on After Dark or what's their Just Dark. Show? Just Dark. <laughs> dark. After yeah. Dark. Yeah. Some I, people I, after, on, uh, after Dark's the one you watch where you want to really see Chris Statlander yeah. since you've got a big crush uh, on her. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Boot me anytime. Um. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's been a weird few weeks. The, the, the tournament I'm looking forward to. I think uh, when they revealed half the bracket and it was like, okay, mm-hmm. Darby Allen's there, Cody's there, uh, Sammy Guevara. I was like, man, I can see so much storytelling and having uh, like Sammy or or even Darby rather like finally go over Cody in the semifinals or even hell have have him just lose to Cody again and set up the idea that you know Cody's the guy that he can't beat so that one day we can you know there's uh-huh. so many story potential but when they revealed the other half of the bracket and Lance Archer was in it I was like okay it has to be Lance Archer and Cody in the final like nothing right. else makes sense now it or, has to be that or they're setting up right they're setting up Lance Archer against Marco Sutton who's a small guy Darby's also a small guy but what difference between Darby and and Marco Sutton is Darby doesn't stop, and you can't threaten to kill Darby because he's already half dead. Yeah, I so, feel like you know I, either maybe too early to have him lose properly. I, I can see maybe they'll try and get Lance eliminated via mm-hmm. something that doesn't make him just a loser in a mm-hmm. match. Like either get dis- right. distracted or something, well, something to make it. But what I do like about AW two is they're playing with alignments, right? Whereas like yeah. Inner Circle are bad guys, but they're neutral bad guys, right? They're all about themselves. They're not. They don't. There's no code. There's no lack of code. It's just them. They stick up for each other. 
And then you have like Lance Archer coming in who just wants to destroy everything. He doesn't care who's in Which, the way. By the so way, I could see him coming into to blows with with them or with with uh, MJF or you know what I mean? Like oh sure, yeah. Yeah, you know? uh, Jake Jake's promos, by the way, the ones he's recorded mm-hmm. uh, from home or whatever, they've been great. Yep. Uh, you know, the the one where he was, he was saying to Cody, you know, bring your and he, he said like three different, you know, like uh, people, and the last one was like, oh hell, bring bring the the uh, oh god, I'm forgetting Monica, right? That was it. That was yeah. the one. It was it was like the Monica Lewinsky joke. Uh, right. But it was kind of listing like you know like women who have been attached to these like you know yeah. powerful men in the past. He's he's, a, he's such a good speaker still. Uh, but that's yeah. good stuff. I think the, the other big things we need to take, speak about from the last few weeks. Uh, one of course is Brody Lee, the exalted one, mm-hmm. uh, and his skits where he's basically parodying Vince McMahon. Yeah, part of me loves it. Part of me hates it because it's so one trick. But they're doing that trick so well, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know. Of of course, the Dark Order is the other company. When you think about it, which in um, retrospect, the idea that this is this this little cult is a deluded version of like WWE is actually uh-huh. kind of amazing. Like, uh, right to telling all these other wrestlers you can come and be somebody, yet they're still the same, just with a Dark Order mask and, on. And actually, uh, adding to that that idea, there was a, a promo from uh, Daniels, which wasn't mm-hmm. on Dynamite. It was like something they put on social media after mm-hmm. the reveal. And it was a really great promo where he talked about, oh, you know, those guys you've added haven't done anything. You know, the, the, the you know, yep. Joe Silver, whatever the, those two guys are called, uh, <laughs> like those two jobbers. Like, they haven't become anything. Yep. Like, it's all about the, the top three. It's always about, you know, uh, Archer right. and... Uh, no, sorry, Brody, uh, and uh, you know, obviously Grayson and Evil Uno. Evil Uno, yes. yes. Grayson, and now I'm to think Brody. of the names, uh, but it's, it's like everything's about them. Everything, everyone under that doesn't get anything, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah. like they're actually really hitting this hard. That uh, so, you know, I, I, great addition, I, I think. Right. Um, so, and if anyone wants to pick, oh, they're hitting the level. Don't ever forget that they named Soul Train Jones Virgil, which was Dusty Rhodes' real name. And they turned him into the toady for the Million Dollar Man. Um, so WWE has never, or WWF has never been above this type of shenanigans either, and it's what oh, yeah. makes wrestling fun. So <clears throat> just have fun with it. Brody Lee looks like he's having the time of his life. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this is a guy the- that when he was holed up for his knee, he was in a movie which I still haven't seen called Mohawk, where he plays a like revolutionary soldier that goes, you know, that ends up being hunted by a, a tribe of Native Americans out for revenge. And apparently he's really good in it. And I remember him doing an interview where he's like, yeah, if this wrestling thing doesn't work out, I, I hope that I can parlay it into small stuff. Like, I, I want to be the villain in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And now him playing this version of Vince McMahon, to complete with the dark suits. Like, it's just, it's almost too on the nose, and that's why I think I like it so much. Yeah, and I like that line, that first week he showed up, he was like, you know, you're not the last, uh, the first uh, old man to not believe in me, and right. you're, but you're going to be the last. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're really poking at it. I think he's a good fun addition. Uh, big thing we have to talk about is the, you know, the, the Matt Hardy addition, the reveal. But more importantly, Chris Jericho doing promos on a on a drone. Vanguard one. Uh, so I thought the the one from last week was great, where he just says he's a piece of shit. He says I don't your yeah. social views on or your political views on Twitter and you know, like, all that yeah. stuff. And then he asked him to join the inner circle because he wants him as an ally. 
and he gets mad at him. That was hilarious. They somehow topped it this week with this thing where Jericho's in his jacuzzi, he does the thing again where he pours the, the bubbly in the, the bubbly. glass, but then drinks it from the bottle anyway. Uh-huh. Hilarious. He's wearing jeans in the jacuzzi. Yep. Why would... They, but the, So the drone comes in, right? We get the Terminator vision. Mm-hmm. The drone comes in. And so he basically says, I, want, I still want you to join the inner circle. He gets out, he gives him a little t-shirt and hooks it onto the drone and it flies away. I don't think I've laughed as much as I have in a long time that when Jericho <laughs> turned and said, release the hounds! And then all of his like really sort of like household dogs aren't even that big, just come well, running out. <laughs> yeah, so he, the first wave of them are his dogs. Like there's a lab, there's another medium-sized dog, and then out come the little fluffy ones and a yeah. chihuahua. And I just, it's, he knows exactly what he's doing. Also, is it me or does it look like he's actually getting back into shape? It looks like he's, like, uh, he's, he's toning down a little bit, yeah. Which, again, people want to chalk up to him getting lazy and whatnot. But I, I do feel it was a character choice that when he was doing it in New Japan, he wanted to be the complete opposite mm. of, like, a Tanahashi, of a uh, Okada. And so he actually let himself get a little bit bloated. He still performed pretty well. I mean, that Tanahashi match, I don't know if you watched it from Wrestle Kingdom this year, was pretty damn good. Um, But now he actually looks like, not that he has dad bod because he doesn't, but it's not classic Jericho. It's not like Jericho when he was going against Owens, right, at that last WrestleMania he was at. But he's sturdier and he's got like almost old man strength Mm -hmm. going on. And it's it's such a fit. And, And then you put him against Matt Hardy, um, yeah. and, Which, and the by whole... the way, the, yeah. See, see, the, the, when Matt Hardy actually showed up for the promo, mm-hmm. um, some of his some of his uh, lines were great. Uh, so he's like a hole of the ass, you know, a like hole of the ass. Yeah. yeah so like that. if you guys aren't familiar, and this goes for Pete because I already talked to him offline about this stuff. Go on YouTube and search for his the the original final deletion, which was him versus Jeff, and then there's a whole saga against him versus the Bucks of Youth and the tag team stuff the ring of honor it is room quality bad but self-aware about it mm. like again it's not the best thing but i've never been more entertained i, by I have, stupid stuff yeah like, i have been exceptionally impressed even though the wrestling itself's not been as exciting because there's no crowd right no. and there's there's very right. little we can do about that there's, don't worry, there's some good stuff omega and Trent uh-huh. had a pretty decent match this week mm-hmm. uh well, of, you know omega's gonna wrestle like yeah, that's of course. Just, that's it. Yeah, and the, you know, again, the last couple of weeks there was also some pretty decent matches, and but but there's all these little sketches or these little vignettes or whatever they're doing, and then even just something as simple as uh, like this week there was a moment where Britt Baker was going nuts in the crowd and hitting Cody with her shoe, and she looked like maniacal. She was holding her shoe up, and I was like, that's a meme. That moment right there yeah. was great. Like that is something that I've seen on Twitter all all the last few days. They are organically building these people to mm-hmm. where I feel like a lot of the hype that comes out of people when they sign is, oh, this is who they were on the indies. But with, with AEW, they're not making Brett Baker be this indie version of herself. They're allowing her to build her character as they go. And the whole dentist thing, the whole Starbucks, her working with Tony, now this beating with the shoe and just being, you know, or or – the stuff with her and Sheeta during Sheeta's match mm-hmm. where she's kind of heckling her on the side. And this is the type of, of character she's becoming. This is why I like wrestling. Not for, I mean, the in-ring stuff's cool. Like I, I love a good match, but I like it because it is storytelling. 
and it's jo- one of a kind is, storytelling. Before EW, there was like a period where I would dip in and out of WWE, mainly for the mm-hmm. NXT shows and the odd mm-hmm. thing where there was the odd good match, right? And mm-hmm. I think I'd for because I think I was conditioned at that point to like, well, when the in ring is good, it can be a good match, and that's what I like. And I'd kind of forgotten that the storytelling mm-hmm. and the character work can be good. And I think one of the things that AEW's done in the last few months is remind me that the actual stuff outside the ring can be equally as entertaining. It's just WWE has been terrible at it for decades at this point. Like, it's just mm-hmm. not been good for a long no. ass time. Like, uh, WrestleMania is going off today as we record the first part. They've already recorded a bunch of stuff, uh, and they're having a scramble. And it just, a lot of the stories just aren't there. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've you know, I, I've tried to listen to some of the wrestling podcasts I used to listen to, and it's, it's harder now that I'm really only watching AEW. But I was listening to some of them, and outside of Cena versus The Fiend, or or Orton and Edge, which relays on ten years ago, right? A lot of the stories start there. Like I really don't care about AJ and, and Taker, or or Goldberg and even at the time it was supposed to be Goldberg and 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 Roman. The stories start there. I don't care. But yeah, AEW, I care about Trent versus Omega. Mm-hmm. And like yes, I know they're familiar with each other from New Japan, and I know Trent can go. But can he go against Omega? Yeah. And Omega, I don't want to say drug because Trent was pretty involved in the match as well. Those two had a damn near five-star match for an empty arena show. Yeah. and Like. uh, It was a great moment. It was a comedy bit in there where Orange Cassidy, after after one of the hugs, mm -hmm. wanted to hug Omega. (laughs) Chuck kind of pulled the pads. No, 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 you don't hug him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Um. So, so the, the the women's match. There was this, this this girl who I forget her name, but I know her last name was Jay with with two Y's because it stood out as, mm. as weird. But her versus Shida was a solid match. Like yeah. they're still putting on solid matches, but like this stuff is independent of the major story that they're telling with the inner circle. Or shoot, this is the most I've ever thought of of Jake Hager as a threat. Him talking about how he's going to take out Moxley. And it's not even about the title. It's about the honor of the inner circle and that they're going to support me no matter what, if I win or if I lose. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm with them. It's like, shit. <laughs> well, you put Jake Hager yeah. in the right conditions and you, he's compelling. And they've so, got, uh, yeah, they're doing a no holds barred match next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, or is it two weeks from now? Maybe two weeks from now. Uh, yeah. But that's whatever, happening. Whatever that rolls out. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention as well, obviously, we didn't have most of the commentary team there these last couple of weeks. It was yeah. uh, Tony and Cody with occasionally Kenny. And this last week, it was, uh, what's his face? Colt, Colt was in there Savannah. for a lot of it. Uh, I will Boom. say, uh, Tony being the, the lead commentator, for again, is really yeah. nostalgic. Him, him like running the, the, the commentary. Uh, yeah. I will say I was laughing because, uh, not this week, but last week, there was a whole running thing where Sammy had like these drawings in the crowd, and one of them was of a Star Trek character, and they and Cody kept bringing up that he was he was frustrated that he couldn't figure out who the Star Trek character right. was, and it turned out it was it was Kirk, but it was the Kelvin Universe Kirk. It was Chris Payne, right? And he, he sounded so disappointed. I, just, I thought it was really funny. Cody seemed legit upset that he didn't get it. I know he was. Uh, it was a great, but I think it was during the uh, the ad break on Fight TV. Mm-hmm. There was a moment where. He asked Tony what his, who his favorite Star Trek captain was, and he said Cisco from uh-huh. Deep Space Nine. And he's like, "Oh, really?" Yes. And they had this little debate. About, I was like, "This is this is really funny." Well, he goes, "He's Cisco, and I don't know anything about Star Trek, but I know this is well, Cisco started as a commander. He's not really a captain." Yeah. And and he brought that up, so he that wasn't just on the fight because he brought that back up during the the broadcast because I remember hearing that and going, 
damn cody let him off easy (laughs) (laughs) clearly you're a star trek nerd we get it um so but yeah no the the show's been solid cabana who's someone that i was only familiar with the the cm punk saga Mm -hmm. and i've seen stuff here and there he's really good on commentary like oh yeah i like his um, uh his superman pin i I thought it was a really fun little pin the way he sort of like jumps over and kind of it's it's like Mm -hmm. a roll up but he uses his feet and kind of just stretches out yeah and so he's he's solid i thought it was funny too him describing darby allen was a lot of comparisons to punk he's like yeah i like guys that think outside the box and you know (laughs) so so if you know what had happened between those two it almost seemed like he was looking for that version of his friend again and it was kind of tragic and i don't know if i was just reading too much into it but he's like yeah i think i like this darby allen kid um yeah yeah, because you know. the whole the whole thing that happened with him and Punk kind of sullied me on Punk is is a personal. Oh, a me bit. too. Uh, it was kind of it was kind of rough. But me hey. too. You uh, know, but again, I don't know their personal lives. Uh, I just know that, you know, from what I hear, Punk is a very hard person to get along with, and I give Colt <laughs> credit for as long as he they were friends, and maybe they'll work it out one day. Maybe they weren't meant to be friends that long. I I don't know. That said not being that familiar with Colt Cabana outside of, you know, things here or there, just hearing he's genuinely a nice guy. Um, I really liked him on commentary, you know, mm-hmm. more, more so than Cody. I just feel like Colt's way more, uh, way more natural when it comes to just talking. Like, I feel like Cody's yeah. trying to put on a presenter's voice where he's trying to name wrestling moves. Like, Hey, I know what's going on. I've, right? do, do, I, do, do I kind of like to be Cody commentary though? Is that he wasn't as polished to say Cole, and he, definitely not no. as Tony, right? But what no. I liked about Cody is he kind of kept dropping these little inside baseball things. Like he, he would, yeah. he, he would make these little digs at either like mm-hmm. like a wrestling trope, or he'd be like, "Oh, it's funny to see yeah. that again." Or he'd, yeah. you know, there's, there's be these little things just kind of. He's there. like, "Oh, that that that's a grip that you don't typically see in professional wrestling. That's more of a collegiate move." Yeah, and I was like. Well, Cody, but no, I just feel like the Colt brings like an almost like a, a conversational quality. That's it, it reminds me of like the best like sports broadcasters, like teams that mm. work together for a while. It doesn't seem like one's doing color and one's doing play by play. It seems like they're just having conversation while the game's going on. Yeah. Um, and that's how I felt with Shivani and Colt. We'll put a car out of his vision a minute. It's the last thing I want to mention about the last few weeks of Dynamite again. Dynamite makes me laugh so often that I'd forgotten what this feels like with a wrestling show. But uh, back to those drawings that Sammy had uh, yeah. on, the, on the ringside, when he kissed the Brandy one and the, the camera cutting to Brandy's face, priceless. Mm-hmm. The look of disgust yep. on her face yep. was just wonderful. Uh, yeah. So her, her transition into this new Brandy, I like her so much more. I appreciate they're trying to do something different with her, mm-hmm. and not just because she's she's Cody's wife, Brandy. I just I seem this is more who she is as an actual person, you know, as the chief branding officer. Yeah. Right? No, I've always liked Brandy as a as a presence, like you know, like yeah, because uh, I I laughed actually because she was she was doing ring announcing the first two weeks of the empty arenas because yep. obviously for whatever reason uh, Justin Roberts couldn't be there. Uh, yep. And the, the, they always do those things with a little joke thing will be above their name when yep. the name comes up. Mm-hmm. For her, it said, uh, swore she would never ring announce ever again. <laughs> was yep. the one that came up yep. underneath her. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but I like that. And now but, she's managing the, the new tag team, Dustin and QT, or a tag team now. Okay. Uh, Natural Nightmares, that's they're called. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I'll be a little bit honest. I haven't been watching full because I've been doing other stuff in the house while sure. wrestling's on. Sure. And paying attention to the main, main stuff. So I, I missed that. Um, I did see how because 
because Reddit got a hold of the the screen caps because they've been sharing the Hangman ones when he's been on the show. Yeah, he's usually got funny yeah. ones. Yeah, he's got real funny ones too. I do miss Hangman. Um, so I hope this gets cleared up. We can see him. You know, Hopefully. that was a fun story. What was going on? Um, real quick, the Young Bucks little promo this week. Them having a tennis court on their property where they put up a wrestling ring is the most Young Bucks. I don't know if that's their <laughs> real thing or if that's just something they did for the video. Um, I loved it. It was just this little stupid thing that just – it really hit and it made me – even it made my wife go, wow, they seem like pretty normal dudes outside of their gear because she only knows them as mm. in-ring types. And she's like, they seem like normal guys. I go, I know, right? Like – so that was a, a fun little piece that they did um, yeah. to kind of humanize them. No, it's been as good as it can be, uh, given the circumstances. So hopefully we, we, you know, in at least a couple of months' time, we can get back to some crowd shows. Yep. But we'll see. We have no idea. This is possible to say. Uh, so we'll move on to another section here. We'll maybe talk about uh, movies that we've been, we've been watching. Uh, Connor's been quiet for a bit, obviously, because he doesn't care about wrestling. So, Connor, why don't you... We'll just go round robin, I guess, until someone yeah. starts running out. Uh Bring up a movie. Obviously, keep it this relatively spoiler-free because we're not doing, you know, spoiler reviews or anything. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, so, over the last couple of months in the UK, and well, pretty much everywhere outside of the, the US and Canada, uh, Netflix got the rights to all the, the Studio Ghibli movies, with the exception of oh, Grave of the Fireflies. Um, but they've been releasing them, like, so there's like 21 movies they got the rights to, and they've been releasing them seven a month over the last three months. Um, so I've been kind of slowly picking away at those. So I mm-hmm. watched uh, Porco Rosso last week, yeah. uh, which is a few nights ago. But uh, that was uh, a lot more fun than I expected because I'd seen you know the, the vague what it is. It's, it's a pig in a plane. I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. okay, sure, fine, whatever. Um, it was really good. It's you know, it, it's a it's a, it's a man who was cursed to become a, a pig, but he's still like a, a fighter pilot. <clears throat> And it's you know he's he's against like you know, there's all these like mobsters and it's you know there's Italian gangsters and stuff and yeah it's a lot of fun and uh, like I said I he, wish... the line I, I'm a pig I don't fight for honor I fight for a paycheck was just the best bit ever yeah. I'm into this um, I wish I, I I enjoyed the anime stylings because this sounds like something that would I would really enjoy I, think I you can't would, yeah. get over the I can't get over the animation though it's yeah. very tough for me so. But it's, uh, I mean, I, I'll, I've been going through a lot of them over the last couple of months. So I think that's mm-hmm. like six or seven of them. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. going through them in release order. Uh, yeah, alternatively, I've uh, been kind of working through the filmography of someone right now. Uh, I, I, as, I've been, as I've been watching movies on stream more often recently, because I've been on a real movie kick, right? And we've been kind of shifting to try and watch better movies sometimes, because it's kind of natural to just watch some bad horror action movies, because it's kind of funny to make fun of, you know, to joke about them as yeah. they're on and so on they're comfort but uh we decided to start looking uh and this is this is not a, the good movie this is still in the bad movies uh look at the works of a 90s 80s 90s action star that kind of passed me by when i was a kid I, i'd never heard of this person but cynthia rothrock uh was a martial artist who became a, a movie star and did a lot of b-movie stuff uh obviously never came to the, the, the height of like john claude van damme and like because most of it i assume you've never heard of her uh but I've just been picking random movies that she has on Amazon Prime. And the three that I've watched so far were... Uh, uh, oh, what was that first one? Uh, Sport of Justice, where it's a really typical action revenge movie where her sisters and her nephew are murdered. But there's this also slight supernatural twist where she has... Uh, uh, 
premonitions or she she hears she she gets memories or whatever of, of like what happened uh she's like a psychic and yeah there's a lot of kicking and shit and it's kind of what it is uh martial law which is spelt martial as in martial arts because uh the whole idea is that yes that that that's how you spell martial that's, law then. yeah i was gonna say that's the the right spelling yeah. unlike some u.s senators who clearly yes. do not know that yes yeah, okay fair enough uh but it's a pun though because the whole idea is that it's because the the, 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 the cop ha- she's a cop yeah, the, the the cop. Well, it's not her. She she's actually not the main character in this movie. She's a love interest oh, in the main character, who is uh, his nickname is Martial Law because he knows martial arts. Like, that's what they all call him. Uh, his, his name is his name is Chad McQueen in real life, <laughs> uh, and he named he named his. Wait a minute, <gasps> that's Steve McQueen's son. Are you looking this movie up as I'm talking about it? Is this what's happening? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay, so I thought that was just his name. Like, sure. Oh, I'm gonna pick McQueen. No. So I was like, his son's name Stephen R. McQueen. I go, that that's a little off. Like, you're gonna name your kid after Steve? Well, no, of course he named his son after his dad. Yeah, his I dad to... is the Steve McQueen from Bullet. <laughs> I do have to admit, halfway through the movie, it, it dawned on me why it was called Martial Law because I kept expecting, like, when does Martial Law happen? I'm waiting for Martial Law to kick in. <laughs> it took you that long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, it's a pun. <laughs> I get it. Uh, <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. Right. Both of those movies weren't that good, though. They had a couple of high points, but for the most part, were kind of dull. Uh, Guardian Angel, the third one I watched, though. This one. Like, the first half of this movie, every single scene either ends in a, a, a shootout, a, a hand-to-hand fight, or a car chase. Um, it has almost no plot for half the movie, as it just does action scene after action scene. And they're just ridiculous. People are dying. And then there's a plot eventually, and it slows down a little bit, but it was definitely the most entertaining of the three. Uh, so, I don't know. I'll keep, I'll keep watching most of the Rothrock movies, but I wanted to mention those, because they're wacky. you didn't mention in, in, in Martial Law that... David Carradine plays the bad guy. Oh yes, of course. David Carradine's the bad Will guy. Himself. Also, the sort of cop and the first one I mentioned, uh, Swart of Justice. And mm-hmm. uh, that the cop in that is actually the lead character from God Told Me To, which is funny because me and Tara just did that on the Atomic Cinema Experiment. So oh, that's a wild ride of a movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah. God Told Me To is a hell of a thing. So uh, look out for that uh, if you if you want to hear me and Tara tell you what. Tell you what that movie is, and to be honest, the way it starts is not how it ends. Just uh, brace yourself. <laughs> that movie goes places. Matt, have you ever watched it? <laughs> yeah. So, so last week I watched uh, Jay's Hound Bob reboot because it's on uh, Amazon Prime, and um, I've been kind of out on the Kevin Smith movies after Tusk and Yoga Hosers. More Yoga Hosers just kind of upset Tusk's me. Tusk's great. Tusk was fine. Um, Yoga Hosers, not so much. I was like, I, I feel like the novelty is worn off. Yet he comes back with Jay and Silent Bob, and it's surprisingly sweet. It's definitely more in the tone of Chasing Amy, although not as serious. Yeah, that Kevin definitely had something to say. So it's it's kind of nice. And it basically is a reboot of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, but it hits different themes. Um, so it's one of those weird remakes, sequel kind of kind of things yeah jane so, Bob is one of the handful of his films i haven't yeah. seen so that's why i've yeah. been holding off on watching reboot but you maybe i'll, maybe I'll back to back him yeah you should back to back him because there is a little bit of things that you do need for this one to work but yeah i, I asked alden who was talking yeah. about it a few months ago because mm-hmm. he's a big kevin smith fan yes he is uh and he was like no you should really probably watch yeah 
the original. Uh, Bad Boy has terrible taste. Yeah, but it's it's almost a sequel to each of his movies because there's there's stuff that shows up here. There's characters from like Dogma, which is usually off by itself. That oh, pop up here, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, I never heard of Kevin Smith until I was much older. The first thing I ever seen them, and I didn't yeah. even realize what it was until later. But uh, Jane, Set and Bob have a cameo in Scream Three, and yep. that's that's what I that's what I knew Jane, Set and Bob from. Well, I didn't even know their names. I just, that's what they were in. That's yeah, what I've so seen them in for a long time. The first thing I'd ever seen was um, was Dogma, and then I've worked my way. I had worked my way back. I unapologetically love mall rats i know it's not the best movie it's it's one of my lesser liked ones yeah i'd still have, i still watch it right now yeah and so I i've always had a, a weak spot for for his kind of like it's not ever really good outside of like really clerks or chasing amy but they're he has this weird way of connecting with me emotionally um have you that, seen, no, there, there are some other ones i would say are more traditionally good as well uh, jersey girl and uh, zach and mary make a porno fine yeah those, those are fine but you know um i feel like both of them is him trying to go hey look i'm not just the you know no arts, i mean they're more guy. they're still good you know? but they're more traditionally good rather than kevin smith good right so but, you know <laughs> i work my way back through um but like red state i love that's one of my favorites red, of his because uh, it's so different um Red State's one of the only Red State cop out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't cop out. Uh, James Silent Bob. I hate that this has turned out to and... Kevin Smith. I've got more movies to talk yeah, about. No. Come on, this I think, is... I think, and, and Yoga Hosers. Those are the only four I've not seen. Though. Yeah, I really don't like Yoga Hosers. I still want him to make Moose Jaws, which is just Jaws with a moose. Yes. Like that's right. Over Every time and... he talks about it, I'm like, please make this movie. Yeah, and then he was also supposed to make a a hockey themed one called Hit Somebody, which then got turned into a show, which then put on the back burner, which. Right now, you know, which which leads me to I missed hockey so much. Mighty Ducks Two was on the other day, and I watched it from wherever oh, that, it was. That's getting in two. Yeah, that's, huh? what? Yeah, it's getting in two movies here. Oh, well, that's because I didn't. Well, I've got more to do. Carter, what else you want to talk about? Oh, so I want to talk about because I because I, I forgot at the end of our worst movie discussion in yeah. of the of the deck of the the year that we just did, Cats. I'm gonna rant about cats because it's goddamn awful. I'm gonna sit back <laughs> for a while and just kind of go to sleep. I'll wake uh, up when Carter's done. Uh. It's all right. Pete's just—he doesn't want to hear all the terrible things he's about to have to put himself through in in, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. When he has it. <laughs> um, so cats, I did not realize, is a suicide cult. <laughs> Wait, the movie what? is about him trying to decide which of them gets to be reincarnated into a better cat. So the whole movie is like, well, I, you know, it's just, you know, which one of us should die right now? And that's that's the plot. And I'm like, what? What? How did I not know this about cats? And then, so you know how cats infamously got the the patch to uh, fix its visual effects while it was still mm-hmm. in the cinemas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they forgot to apply that to the to the home release version. <laughs> so. They put it out on home release, and it's back to the unedited version where, like, Judy Dench has still has a wedding ring on her hands and just normal human hands. <laughs> how? Just... So, like, however you feel about that director, right? I, I enjoyed King's Speech. I thought Les Mis was a little bit uh, Oscar bait type. Tom Hooper, what were you thinking? Who has video of him doing something bad? That they made him make because I can't imagine him wanting to do this. 
I just said, because, uh, yeah, you say what you want, like, so, maybe you don't know they're not your sort of movies, but they're objectively well made. I feel, like, I, I feel like if you put a wig on Tom Hooper and then some sunglasses, you'd realise it's actually Tommy Wiseau and that they're one and the same. I, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, this movie could have been done by Tommy Wiseau. And it, it probably would have been more watchable. If you told me it was if, if this was a Tommy Wiseau movie and not a Tom Hooper movie, I'd have believed you. <laughs> It's insane. I, I, I have no I have no words. Uh yeah, I'm going to the John to. Adams miniseries? I did not know that. Uh dear, I'm going to talk a little bit about I've got a couple of just more proper serious movies, but I want to talk about a, a horror movie I watched uh called Screamers, aka Island of the Fishmen. Now Yes. <laughs> so that starts off as just like a sort of almost slasher monster movie where it's just people arriving on the island and they're getting killed and you know brutally by these kind of knockoff creatures from the Black Lagoon-esque looking things right and then the plot kind of gets going after the opening 20 minutes uh, I guess I'll have male spoilers for this one but it's like this really weird Italian movie from like 1979 so I don't think anyone cares <laughs> but it turns out that the evil scientist on the island has been experimenting with the fish monsters because they can swim down to the lost city of Atlantis and get the gold that he wants that's actually what's really going on here um, uh, yeah it was, it, was, it was a wild ride that's all I'll say about that um, I need to watch this. I was going to say, I feel like this is a Matt movie. It's on Prime, Matt, if you're... I, if I have nothing... Well, I mean, I'm not going back to work for a minute, uh, so <laughs> if I have time to watch... On, um, on Prime, it's called Screamers, and it's Screamers from, like, 1978, 79. Okay, uh, I'll, I will find it. This sounds like exactly my kind of bullshit. Yeah, it was... Uh, it's, it's one of those movies. Uh, so... I watched that. Um, in terms of more serious stuff, uh, I did watch uh, Patriot's Day, which was about the uh, the Boston Marathon bombing. Bombing. Yeah. Uh, honestly, as a, I mean, Mark Wahlberg's terrible, and he uh, well. is the worst part of that movie. But and it's not that he's terrible in the movie. He's he's he's, he's whatever. His character just kind of feels like he's added so that there's like a character that connects everything together. Because mm-hmm. the best thing about that movie is once it gets going and uh, the bombers are on the run the way it kind of recreates the chase and all the shootout stuff and all that, all that stuff is exceptional. It reminded me a lot of Our Boys from HBO, which was a good series from last year. Um, the way they had they'd sort of splice in bits of security camera footage uh, and things like that and recreate kind of the, the sequence of events. Like it, mm-hmm. That stuff was really good. Uh, the, only, the only real complaints I'd make about the movie would be there's a couple of like patriotic speeches at various points about the the, you know the determination of the country and and the the like oh, I don't know it's just it got a bit sentimental which is something that American movies have to do when it tackles a subject like well, this. And, and Peter Berg's at that point in his career where that's the type of movie he makes because he did Deepwater Horizon as well mm-hmm. and then I think Mile Twenty Two is the same along the same lines and he's just rolling them out at this point. Yeah, um, this was so, better than Deepwater Horizon. I think this was better than yeah. that. Well, um, I think yeah, it's there's more of a mystery there where Deepwater Horizon is just a disaster movie. And how are they going to deal with the platform and whatnot? Which I almost went and saw because Kate Hudson and, and mm. right, Kate Hudson, Deepwater. Yeah, that was his, that was his wife in it, I think. Yeah, and, and mm. Kurt Russell's in it as well. So, but I just I never got around to it. Um, yeah, but I like Peter Berg as a director. Like I really enjoy The Kingdom, for for all of its faults. Mm. I think that's a no. Uh, like I say, outside of a couple of sentimental speeches that I could have done without, because it just it, it makes it feel a bit more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to say propaganda but it feels a bit more, you know, pat in the back kind of thing as opposed to just yeah, more well, of a straight, yeah. you know, because you don't, you don't have to do that. That's the thing. What happened was horrible and people who you know, were affected yeah. by it, like that stuff speaks for itself. You don't have to do a big yeah. speech. There's, there's another movie about that that takes the opposite track that's called Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. and then the girl that was on Orphan Black, I can never Ta- get her name right. Uh, Tatiana Maslany. That one. I, I can say her first name. Her last name always trips me up. But it's it's about a guy that was involved in the bombing and how he lost his legs and then his struggle to come up. And it's a little bit – I don't mm-hmm. I haven't seen it all. I've seen bits and pieces here. But it's more about his struggle to, to reclaim what you know what was taken from him and his independence and, and whatnot. It's based on a true story. Um, and, I, and I feel that you can do what Pete's talking about without necessarily doing the whole rah-rah America thing because mm-hmm. it's about one man's struggle. Right, so you can rah rah around him, you know. Um, so that that one's out there. People want to watch that. I'm a big Joan Hall fan. I still haven't seen it just because it gets too. A, a lot of those ones hit me too hard emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like to feel things. That's why I like what I like. I think that's so, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. Do you have ALF car before I do my last one? Uh, let me have a look. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, only yesterday, which is another one of the, the the Ghibli movies, but this one was completely different. Um, this one is a yeah, much more kind of typical drama. Uh, it's about a, a woman who's in her late twenties um, going to visit the the countryside as she does every year on her you know her her leave from work, and it's her remembering this time that she visited the countryside as like a ten year old girl. And it's this kind of parallel story of uh, of her then and as, as a young girl and what she went through and then uh, her life as it is now and whether or not she's going to you know get married and such. Uh, can I guess why this was on your short list to watch right now? I mean, you could guess, but I mean, it's almost certainly wrong. I mean, I know you're watching the Ghibli stuff, but... Which is pretty I much feel- the other reason. But it, it has nothing to do with Daisy Ridley being the voice of the main character. Uh, no, because I actually didn't know that until after I started it. Ah, uh, okay. Because I just pulled it up and went. I, I think huh. it was it was something that after I'd started listening, I was like, "Huh, is that?" And then I kind of I checked and I was like, and I, I had a vague memory of this being announced a few years back of mm-hmm. of her being the the voice in in this yeah. uh, redubbing that they'd done. Uh, but I'd actually completely forgotten. It was literally just it was the next film on the on the, gotcha. the Ghibli list, which is why I put it on. Uh, Dev Patel, I think, was was in it as well. It was uh, the other guy. Yeah. 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 Um, solid cast, like clearly. Yeah. Um, right. Which actually goes for all the Ghibli dubs. Um, like yeah. all of them have really solid casts, so you can't go I, wrong with them. Yeah, I feel like a lot of them, uh, a lot of the people that do them or 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 want to do them are big Ghibli fans. Uh, yeah. So. It helps. Like, I, was I just remember one, a few weeks back, one of the earlier ones uh-huh. had like Patrick Stewart in. I was like, oh, oh, cool. That was a nice surprise. I just remember the first one I remember being aware of was Kiki's Delivery Service because they got Kirsten Dunst to play Kiki. Um, and I just remember that being all over. Like when you had DVDs that would play the commercials before or the trailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that coming up a lot. I think that's when Disney got the distribution for Studio Ghibli. So they yeah, were putting those on. There was a- there's a couple of dubs there where in English where the UK dub was different to the American dub because yeah. Disney had the American one and that's mm-hmm. what we kind of the the ones on Netflix are just the Disney right. ones now but there were yeah. completely different dubs for a while, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. But um, yeah. but yeah, no, it, it was a it was really solid uh, kind of 
typical drama, but animated. Uh, right. But um, it was it was a good movie. Uh, worth, worth checking out. It's definitely, I think, one of their lesser-known yeah. ones. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, proper film I, that I watched in the last week or so was uh, the original 310 to Yuma, uh, which had been recommended to me, and I'd obviously seen the remake, and the original I actually think is the better movie. Uh, it's tighter. I, I, you know, having, having seen the remake a while ago, I don't remember it you know, amazingly, because it's been a while, but I feel like the original's just got a much tighter pacing. It's 90 minutes. Uh, like, the remake has, like, a whole journey added before they even get to the town with the train station. The original, there's no messing around. I guess, and I think the... As much as I think Russell Crowe and Christian Bale are great actors, I actually like the performances in the original more. Uh, and I don't, it's not so much that they're better actors, per se. I mean, you could argue it if you want, but it's more just that the characters like are just different enough like and they feel like they fit the story a little bit better um mm. so i you know i i i was really into it, it really tense and uh like yeah it, it almost felt like you know because of like who was in the remake they had to like really amped up the you know the, the characters to give them these big dramatic things and it's like no, no like the drama in the original worked really well uh the, the simple story it was telling was what made it so effective um but no i really liked it uh it was a really gorgeous looking movie as well oh i mean it's you know black and white four by three actually no, it wasn't four by three what am i talking about it was like was it one six six i can't remember i don't know but anyway it, it was gorgeous it was gorgeous uh obviously uh, i was just in the criterion uh app so it was a nice stunning nice. transfer um so I recommend that. I, you know, because I watch so much crap on stream that every so often I'm, I'm making a point of saying, no, no, we're watching like something that may be great. <laughs> like I want to actually cross off a classic. And this was one. Uh, there was an album I did as well, but me and Carl are going to review it. Uh, soon. Yeah, I, I didn't mention that. Yeah. So uh, I left that off. Uh, I also watched a movie called Phase 4 from 1974, which is about uh, ants getting smarter and how much of a danger that would be to human, the human race. Uh, this, do you know what I'm imagining right now? And this is something that will only, I think, mainly will affect the the UK uh, listeners of a certain age. But the Cravendale milk adverts of the the cats with thumbs. That's that's what I'm. Oh, I recall right this. Now. Yeah, but, but I recall the ants. that. <laughs> yeah, uh, how, yeah. The cats would basically rule the planet if they had thumbs. It's there was, yeah. a, there was a whole series of adverts of just yeah, but cats with thumbs. How terrifying would that be? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, Connor has seen it. It's called Cats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's basically uh, it for movies. Um, what I'll do is I'll tell you a little bit about Resident Evil 3. I'll keep this brief uh, because we'll end with me doing my Patreon book. So then I'll, I'll shift over to you guys for anything else you want to add for comics that you've been reading or whatever uh, before yep. I get into that. So uh, Resident Evil 3 came out uh, technically yesterday, but it was like midnight on Thursday night or just after uh, it actually launched. So I've had it two... was about one o'clock because yeah. people were about to record and That's they were like, hang on a second. Yes, hang on a second. Resident Evil 3 just went live. We're done for the so night. So explain to me before you start, these remakes, are they remakes of the same game just with updated graphics or is it a new experience? In this case, yes. it's a new experience. Uh, okay. Um, and it's, it's interesting you asked that question because one, in t- cause one was remade back in like 2002. That was a long time ago. Okay. And it was basically like, you know, so the original game was PS1 and then they remade it on GameCube uh, at the time with much better graphics. And they did add some stuff and they reworked a few things, but it was mostly the same thing, but with just far better visuals. I think by today's track. standards, we would consider it more a remaster than a remake. We would, no, we wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? No. There's... 
I feel like if you're not changing that much, I think now it's it's more a remaster. There was new mechanics, there was new areas, new enemies. Uh, it was a remake. Um, Fair enough. Uh, I, I really hate how remaster and remake have become these weird murky terms because of all the different things that they've tried to do. Um, like, but no, definitely a remake. Um, but anyway, so they did that. Resident Evil 2 came out last year. Um, and again, completely changed the style of how it played in terms of the shooting, much more like the modern games, but had all the original puzzles and stuff. Uh, Resident Evil 3, the big disappointment with it uh, is that it doesn't actually follow the structure of the original game that much. And it doesn't recreate the locations of the original game. So the satisfaction of the remake side of things, where you walk into a room and like I know that police station like the back of my hand from 2 and be like, oh, hey, I recognize this room from the original, but now it looks like this. That's a lot of the fun. That's gone. However, the gameplay still functions like a good Resident Evil game, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the start's a little bit linear, and it does kind of feel like they, they, they kind of almost gloss over the the, the first like quarter to a, the, the third of the original game, which is where it feels like time's been cut out, because some people are complaining it's too short. But that's the thing. After that point, though, where you pick up from, it's pretty good. Like, you know, it's paced really well from that point. It just, it just feels like the first hour and a half are missing. It's just kind of weird. But the rest of it... Uh, plays very well. Uh, you're finding items. Uh, I have beaten it four times already uh, in the last two days. Um, and- I hung a screen door and put up uh, vertical blinds in case anybody <laughs> wants to know what I've been doing with my time. Uh, I uh, I beat it on hardcore uh, last night uh, and locked the f- the, other, the, the nightmare difficulty, which is the, the, the fourth difficulty. And I know that once I beat that, I'll unlock Infernal difficulty, which is the, the hardest. Uh, but uh, but I've been finding it addictive so as much as I'm saying there's some there's some disappointments in terms of like okay as a remake I'm, I'm disappointed that this this and this is not there I will say the things that I'll say have improved because I do prefer the original game but the things I'll say it's improved um, is that the voice acting was obviously better and there's actually a nice little bond of character arc between the two main characters uh, the hospital section is kind of bigger and better with Carlos so I like that that's really nice um what over two remake the one because two remake was really good last year it was like it was like a home run the one thing this does that that didn't which i really liked actually is that it did kind of like new covers of the original music from three uh which was really cool i liked hearing that as i was going around um but no super addictive like i i mean obviously it's my type of game but like the fact that i i like i i finished it on thursday night after it took me about seven and a half hours that first playthrough which all because always takes you longer your first time because you're kind of learning the game uh, I immediately just started up again and got through it in less than three hours the second time. Uh, so, yeah. I've, needless to say, I, I've, I've been into I, it. I do know with the, the I think it was two, uh, Jared's been playing it, and mm. he was trying to get all the trophies, and then he found out that he had missed three files to get that trophy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't feel like playing through it again. So I guess that's just going to be a trophy I don't get. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man. None of us are working here. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it again. I have other games to play. And it was like he was almost – he wanted me to talk him into doing it. But I was like, well, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Like, I don't know what to well, tell you. The thing is, is uh, that if you're going to get all the trophies, the, the hardest trophies yeah. are like beating the hardest mode with a good rank. Yeah. And to do that, you can't need to play through it a bunch of times anyway for practice because you, you can't yeah. do that your first time. You just can't. It's impossible. Well, maybe you can. I, I know it. No, it's impossible. I, trust me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. With I know with him, it's 
he only wants specific trophies. Like, he takes mm. pride in certain ones. And, like, those ones where you find everything. So I know secretly it's still driving him nuts, but he's already moved on uh, because he said he got kind of burned out of playing his typical games. So now he's trying turn-based Japanese RPGs. Okay. Um, right? Which he's like, maybe that'll restoke, you know, something. Um, but, yeah, I just remember him talking about the files for two days and going, mm-hmm. well, fun. if you really – if you want to do it, you'll do it. Oh, I don't know if I can. I don't know what to tell you then. Yeah. <laughs> I well, can't make you do things. Well, one of the kill things is that uh, Jill's, like, bonus costume, which I actually think I got for pre-ordering the game, is her uh, – no, that was actually our original costume from 3. Uh, the bonus costume you unlock in the game is a Resident Evil 1 costume, and seeing that in like modern graphics is like, ah, oh, maybe we should remake one again. Let's do it again. Let's just do it again. So we could so we could have it like this. Uh, I'll play the shit out of it. It's fine. Uh, so, no, that's Resident Evil 3. I'll save uh, I'll, so I'll leave it there because I know that when Tim's finished that uh, me and Tim are going to sit down and do like a big proper uh, extended discussion. I remember... One of the first things when we were writing for that for that site, which our, our first show spun out of, and I was editing your articles about mm-hmm. run through Resident Evil, I was like, damn, this guy's got a Resident Evil problem. <laughs> um, because the intricate, like the in, in, intricacies or whatever that word is, I always have problems saying uh, it. Intricacies. That one. Um, of, of going through each game the way that it was. I was like, he has done these at least 20 times. <laughs> like, just to know. I think you're lowballing it there, to be honest. I think he's well, done them all like 20 times just on stream. But here's the thing, though. This was six, seven years ago. So I'm not counting those. I'm counting at that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many times they've done it. So, yeah. Take take Pete's words very – there's there's things I don't mess around with him with ever. That, that's Buffy <laughs> and Resident Evil. Those are the two. I'll give him crap about everything else. I, it's just not worth it uh, with the other two, you know. Uh, dear. Uh, yeah. So no, it, it's really good. Uh, there's definitely it's definitely not quite the home run that two was, but still, I'm glad it exists. And obviously, the fact that I've played it four times in the last two days means that, yeah. I mean, excessive. Yeah. 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 It means that hey, it's, it's still ticking a lot of boxes. That's uh, yeah feeding my appetite uh all right uh i don't know if has got any games or if you guys want to shift to any comics you've been reading from other places uh, i got whatever. one game that, that was quite a big new release just last week uh that i played over the course of the week that was doom eternal oh, of course yeah, uh, yeah. uh holy crap that game is fantastic like i i love doom 2016 that was like my favorite game of that year this blows it out of the water like it is yep. so good um, I wish I had the coordination to play first-person shooters. I just don't. So I um, uh, John, I, I played it on like one of the hard difficulties because that's how I mm-hmm. like to play Doom. But I love how it is so unpunishing in the sense that you know, for its trophies, there are no no achievements or trophies locked behind higher difficulties. You can mm-hmm. do all of them on the easiest difficulty, and and it's fine with that if you want to play it that way. Um, which is cool if you want to you know if you're the sort of person who likes to get all the trophies yeah. but isn't good enough to do the harder difficulties uh-huh you do that um, the game is the most metal thing i've ever played that's like, like so it was you that was telling me that... it's so <laughs> yeah. incredibly metal. Like, uh, mick gordon i think is the composer who did uh, doom mm-hmm. 2016 as well uh comes back even stronger this this time because 2016 was just non-stop noise in, in a good way like for that game mm-hmm. this has a lot more periods of where there's just this dread that it's building up until you're stepping out on the body of a dead titan which is like this giant demon from hell 
and then you know pulling a sword out of its chest that maybe you might accidentally pull too far and let and bring it back to life and the music's just going off nope. on one don't like and that <laughs> like, holy shit it's uh, good um yeah. honestly my only critique with the entire game is uh the sections where you have to swim in the acid you have to get like a rat you know a suit to protect you and it wears off and uh those it's just clunky and awkward and it's, i hate those bits and there's only like that, two or three in the whole game uh-huh. uh but it's uh what's been keeping me from platinuming spider-man is the taskmaster missions <laughs> i don't mm-hmm. ever want to do those again i hated yeah. doing them and I can't unlock all the suits without doing getting those there, coins. There was there was a moment where I thought I was wasn't going to do it because of those challenges, and then I realized that you didn't actually have to gold them all. You just had to get enough silvers yeah. to afford the th- the suits, and that was it. You, that, that was yeah. you done. So well, and yeah. then I got mad because I went and I checked out all my web shooters when I didn't have to, but like I wanted to because I wanted to see all the the stuff you could do. But you could have got the and, suits instead. But I could have got the suits yeah. instead, and I'm mad at myself because <laughs> uh, i've yeah. done just well enough on certain ones um i like i did like the sneaking around ones those were fun like those are frustrating in a fun way but the race ones where you had to um you had to swing through oh i hated those yeah uh doom actually has a pretty similar thing where you have a you, you unlock batteries that unlock things in your base two batteries gives you one unlock um, right. But there's spares. Like, there's enough that you can get everything unlocked and have left over, so you can miss some. Uh, so it's pretty forgiving in that way. And uh, if you want to replay it to get the the, the collectibles, or, you know, if you don't get them all the way through the first time, you unlock cheats as you go on. That mm-hmm. are so goddamn fun to play with. Like there are ones that put uh, infinite berserk mode on, which berserk mode basically takes away your weapon, uh, makes you more or less invincible, and you just uh, melee any enemy and it will just rip them in half, stomp on their head, anything. It'll be one hit, kill anything, even a boss. I like it. Oh, Matt. Yeah, Mike. Matt, your mic's going. Um, I, actually, it's, it's a blast. Yeah, one of the things about Resident Evil 3 is the replayability is still quite there because one of the things that happens when you beat the game is you unlock the shop and the achievements, because the achievements actually have a purpose where you get points for them in game and then you spend those points and items in the shop and you buy these things called coins, which, which you keep in the inventory. Like, there's like a, two damage coins, which increase your damage output, two recovery coins, which may help you recover health, and so on. And th- these are basically designed to make the game easier, right? And you can use them in the harder difficulties if you want, but they kind of upped. So there's like, okay, so we've got hardcore mode, but you might make that really easy if you buy all the unlocks, if you're able to get them. So we'll add a second harder difficulty and then a third harder, even harder. Di- so to the point where I'm pretty sure Infernal mode, the, the hardest difficulty, is like, yes, you need all those boosts if you even stand a chance. Like, you can't even do it without them. Yeah, uh, Doom, Doom's a bitch where... So the, the hardest difficulty mode is called Nightmare. That's like the... It's like the very... You know, it's normal hard, very hard, essentially. And that's, uh, that's Nightmare. And it's a bitch, uh, like, let me tell you. But then it has the mode above that called Ultra Nightmare. Which is, uh, if you die, game over. Tough shit. Start over. <laughs> it deletes your save file and makes you go from the start. Uh, it's rough. It's real rough. I got about halfway through Doom 2016 on Ultra Nightmare and then died. And I just, just like, right, I'm done. It beat me. Uh, I never went back. But uh, uh, Doom Eternal's fun. It's a lot faster than 2016. Uh, a lot more verticality jumping. Uh, you got like, mm. dashes in the air. Um, so good. Yeah, and uh, Last of Us got delayed indefinitely, so I don't have my yeah. next big new game for a while. Yeah, I've got um, 
I, I should be getting Final Fantasy VII Remake coming this week on my okay. rental service, assuming they ship it out on time and that I get a copy. Or we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff on my Steam wish list. Uh, I've got a bunch of stuff that I've been kind of itching to maybe start trying to play, maybe some RPGs, something a bit long, more long form. Uh, I've been tempted to try and do... Obviously, yeah, once the Resident Evil 3 kicks, kind of... I, I heard there's a new Tony Hawk game, maybe. That's exciting to me. We'll see. They yeah, say that every couple I mean, of years. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> well, but, damn it. Uh, Call of Duty, the uh, Modern Warfare 2 remaster, just the campaign dropped kind of the other day out of nowhere. Well, I mean, I don't know, there was leaks, but no no official trailer or pre-announcement. It was just like, here you go. Um, and uh, so I grabbed that. It's it's on PS4 right now. It's not on Xbox or PC for another month, but I'll probably play through that soon as well because I, I have a soft spot for that story. I, I love that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Any kind of comic stuff before I do my Patreon book? Any what will you be reading? Yeah, I, I, this will see where you guys have been playing games, watching movies. I throw myself mm. hard into getting comics read. So um, I finished Sacrifice, which was the story that takes in between OMAC Project Three and Four, which is basically it all leads to Wonder Woman killing Max Lord to yeah. break his control over Superman. I like that stuff a lot, actually. The majority of Sacrifice does not hold up. A lot of the really? building because it's it's the, the the Superman and Adventures of Superman writers at that time and it, they were tie-ins. So it leads with that stuff, right? So it so OMAC Project Three, which was written by Rucka, leads off with follow it into sacrifice. Um, and we get, you know, Superman under control. And then once it gets to that point where you find out that he's beaten Batman up so bad that Wonder Woman starts to worry. And then we get to the actual scene where in Wonder Woman, where she kills Max Lord, um, it's really solid, but that's when Rucka's writing again. And then we get the fallout issues of, of her dealing with trying to go talk to Batman and like how their relationships have completely changed. And it's that stuff's really good, but the lead up to it, Man, it's it's early two thousands comics, kind of almost. It almost feels like parody of, of mid two thousands comics. Like the the Ed Bennis art, mm. like Lois is drawn way too like sexy. Oh sure, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And it's it's super tough. The dialogue's just, and that's probably just Mark Meridian. I think was the writer of those. Um, however, what? Go ahead, Connor. I was going to say it's interesting you're talking about that idea of early two thousands comics because. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Pete on, on previously have been yeah. talking about the uh, the uh, Superman uh, Emperor Joker yeah uh, which stuff. I, which again that's that's Loeb and McGinnis right kind of well, yeah. one of the issues was yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're about half of because it, it's like I think the trade collects kind of the lead in which is yeah. uh, uh, our world at war Superman work? Arkham okay. I think it's called uh, and then uh, and then it goes you know they have Emperor Joker one shot and that's the next issue we'll be mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm but it, uh, and you know, and this is a story that's pretty well regarded. People yeah. tend, from everything I've heard, people like it, and yeah, it's kind of rough. Yeah, the but first the, have not been. The yeah, first issue was really. The solid. first issue with Lob and and McGinnis mm-hmm. was good. Was, was really good, and then but it's every, kind of like, everything mm-hmm. since has felt like filler. It's yeah. keep it spinning until it's, the next main bit. It's, yeah, it's and that's rough. that's kind of that's how Sacrifice felt too. Once we got back to Rucka, and this was his story that spun out of Omec Project. It, it, it's kind of what we were killing the year of the villain stuff. Like funnily mm. enough, you know, 15 years later, 
they're still doing this type of stuff. The, the key issues are solid, but yeah. all the stuff around it feels just yeah. kind of time waster. Yeah. And then I hadn't read OMAC projects since it came out. So there was a lot that I had forgotten about and it just, it really hit. And, uh, I, I still have the one shot that's post that was post infinite crisis. I'm halfway through that reading it still. Mm. Um, but I stopped reading that so I could read um, uh, Mark Russell and Steve Hughes' Flintstones. Mm. Uh, and if you guys liked Wonder Twins at all or liked anything Mark Russell's done with the superhero stuff, I highly recommend this. So you're saying I should check it out? Yes. it's. I don't know how familiar you are with the Flintstones at I've all. I've watched like, the cartoon as a when kid. When you are a kid? Yeah. It hits all of those tropes of the Flintstones of, you know, the talking... Uh, appliances and like them working with dinosaurs and stuff not making sense but it brings up mark russell like satire lens to it all and so you get stuff where where fred's not just this big dolt like you know stand in for the honeymooners he actually is this thinking caring philosophical character that's looking at this world around him and going maybe civilization wasn't as good as we thought it was (laughs) and and yeah, and then you have Barney, who's the typical Barney, and like you couldn't read it as the, you know, his catchphrase is like, I don't think so, Fred, uh, and all this other stuff. And it all hits the satire, like the puns with all the rock names and stuff. They all hit Steve Hughes' arts, like really, really good because you have like these jacked, like cavemen, right? But they still look like Fred and Barney. And then Wilma and Betty look like, you know, their counterparts still. They've aged up Pebbles and Bam Bam, so they're, like, preteens um, and, and whatnot. And I just, like, it goes to places to where, like, you know, they use a woolly mammoth as a vacuum, right? Well, the woolly mammoth has thoughts and feelings. So there's part of an issue where the bowling ball that's an armadillo talks with the vacuum cleaner about their day and how the vacuum th- cleaner is is thankful that she has bowling ball to come back home because she's just kept in the dark all day. And it's just like, it really hit me. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so like Mark Russell's making me care about this elephant vacuum cleaner. Right. This is a uh, 12 issues. It's 12 issues. I'm, I'm two issues into the second trade as we, as we go, mm-hmm. as I was reading this morning, um, they do stuff with the great gazoo. And like, I don't want to spoil it all. Cause I do want people to read this. Um, they do stuff with with the origin of Bam Bam that that really hits hard too because if you know Flintstones and the the Betty and Barney story and about how they got Bam Bam, this plays right into that. Um, but it it really is Flintstones for a modern generation. Whereas you could look at it in the '60s and be like, oh, this is what Hanna Barbera thought of culture in that time, mm. and now this is Mark Russell and CPU doing the same thing. Uh, so highly, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. That's mm. interesting. Yep. All right. Carl, you've been reading stuff you want to talk about? Uh, I've been reading uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil. Ooh. Um, I tend to always be reading something <laughs> in the background from whatever we're doing. I, I tend to be mm-hmm. working through stuff. So uh, th- I'm actually taking a break from Hellblazer. I, I've, uh, I kind of got to the end of one of the runs of Hellblazer, mm-hmm. about the late 80s issues of that. So I'll take a break, read some Daredevil, and I'll pray jump back to Hellblazer after. I've actually read um, uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil, so... I mean, I don't know how much of it I remember, but I've read it. <laughs> uh, it's really goddamn good. So I've I've read um, uh, Man Without Fear, and then 
there's three trades on Comicsology that are you know uh, Daredevil by Frank Miller and, and Klaus Janssen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm halfway through the third trade, give or take. Because it's the um, uh, the first appearance of Electra and all that, right? He did, he invented all that. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. And uh, Electra. Yeah. Um, Kingpin being a big major villain yep. seems. I don't yeah. know if it was a big thing for this or if, or if well, this was. He yeah. was Kingpin was more traditionally Spider-Man background like B tier. Yeah. yeah. And and he turned him into like. One of the, the top villains. Because yeah, the, the, the main thing I remember is just kind of the introduction of, of Electra and sort of writing her into the backstory and mm-hmm. like all, all that stuff. That's the main stuff I remember happening in yeah. that. Yeah. So obviously, I know uh, Man Without Fear was, was done later, but yeah. chronologically, I just cool. thought, I'll read that first. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people do anyway, and that seems to be the recommended thing. So I read that first, and obviously, that's kind of a retelling of that origin. Um, but there is touches on it in the main book. Uh, I think I'm on like issue 190 or 191 at the minute, so I've got a, a handful left, and then I think there's a, a graphic novel included in this trade, mm. and then there's obviously Born Again that comes later. Uh, and, and obviously, without this run, there's no Batman Year One, so it's, it's kind of important from a history perspective oh, even for DC fans. And, and I didn't realize that uh, Denny O'Neill was the editor of mm. Daredevil at this time, so it's like, okay, that's where that relationship was. was it's funny actually because uh, reading yeah. the start of that run, there was some issues where he didn't write; he was just the artist. Miller was the artist. Yes, uh, um, Mackenzie, I think, yeah. was the writer for a while beforehand I, where he was brought on. And I remember there being a... I, I don't know if it was like Backmart on the trade or if it was... I, it was something in the digital copy uh, where there was like an interview or something with Miller talking about how... Like, I think this the, is the, the end of the second trade. Yeah. has like a, a collect, like a like a magazine-style thing. But they took like the, a... The they took a risk on him because like you know because he wasn't like it was basically they needed a fill in for one issue so he kind of just like sort of put his hat in and said I'll oh, I'll write an issue and they kind of took a risk on him and then they read the issue and went this was pretty good <laughs> could he write more of this yeah. he was already kind of a not a, a huge name but a reasonably well known in the artist circles at that point um you know like he he he'd got around was like yeah okay he's a solid artist and was mm-hmm. considered you know pretty good. Um, but he'd done pretty much nothing as a writer, by all accounts. Yeah, the writing was a new thing. So it was kind of funny that that kind of made him a writer. And I feel like we think of him actually as a writer first now, more than a... I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously his art's still a thing. We know what his art looks like. But, but you know, he wrote Batman Year One. He didn't draw it. Uh, uh, no, yeah, um, and it, it's kind of funny that um, like, it, there's so many things that you can see that we associate now as Batman things that originated in this run in Dead. Well, like, the idea of Batman vanishing after talking to gordon you know where he just he batman's out of the mm, scene that's right. that's a thing that we that is you know not just us that people will call oh. it daredevil does that consistently with uh yeah. the, the, the journalist whose name i'm forgetting ben yeah uh, like constantly in this book well, and, and i almost running gag i almost feel like the the gordon and batman relationship because happens because of daredevil and and ben i think right? yeah I think you're because the, there's right? there's a lot of similarities between them because i don't think gordon was like like he was a character that was around, but he wasn't as important to the mythos as he is now until year one, I think. Right? Um, but, I mean, Daredevil's a legit ninja. Like, that's the whole point of Stick mm-hmm. in the oh, hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not you know what I mean? questioning it. I'm not saying no, no, no. Case. But it makes sense that that's where it started, and then they adapted it to Batman. You know, yeah. you could do but all the different training stuff. It's something like now if Daredevil does this, you kind of yeah. go, oh, they're just doing Batman stuff. Well, and, and I feel that's where the... Well, I feel like, you know, Mark Wade is a comic book historian. I feel that's where the Red Batman stuff came yeah. from. Is, you know, 
Like it, it, it is a parody of that where it's like, well, no, um, actually, well, it's, it's kind uh, of a, Batman's great daredevil. There's a lot of this. Point. There's a lot of this in history where the first thing to do something is not the thing that actually perfects it mm-hmm. or is remembered for doing it. Uh, it happens over and over again where. Yeah. You know, technically, you think of Halloween as the first real slasher movie, but you can actually find examples from before it that kind of fit into the yeah. mold. But Halloween yeah. is what solidified what a slasher movie was, and people well, think of that as the first slasher it's, movie. It's so efficient as a slasher movie. Like that, that movie still holds up, right? It, it, it's oh, how it's many a masterpiece, years old? yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, like, so, and, and some of those other slashers just don't. Like, as much as I love Friday the 13th, a lot of those movies don't hold up as well as, as that first Halloween, you know? And I think that, that, I mean, that's all John Carpenter. I mean, right? they, they all came after anyway, so that's not really the point but, that we're making. But... Well, no, but what I'm saying is... here, though, for Daredevil is that it's actually really good. Yeah. Right? No, so it's, that, uh... usually, usually when, like, when Pete's talking about Halloween there, it's because it's better and uh, than right. the, a lot of the, the prototypes that came before that fit the mold. Halloween was good enough that it was like, no, no, no. This is what gets remembered. This is the impressive part of this, though, is that it's not that Daredevil wasn't good or still isn't often very great. It's that somehow Batman's just that bit better. <laughs> it usually is. Well, <laughs> it, it's the public consciousness, too, is that Batman's had way more time in the public consciousness than Daredevil. Yeah, you know? I, 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 I think I, I, this might be a case of people just—it's Batman, yeah. right? More than uh, more than the quality, because the quality is really. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was I was kind of joking there. If people actually yeah. like, you know, like p- people took my point really seriously and just kept talking about. No, no, no. Like I'm I'm cracking a joke. The but the point is is that Batman is more in the public consciousness. Batman's a bigger character than Daredevil. He always was. Mm-hmm. He always will be. Yeah. It's just kind of the way it is. Um, that that said, I, a little piece of me always likes Daredevil a little bit more. Just because if he's a little bit more street level than Batman, like you can't because Daredevil things, despite him having superpowers, you know what I mean? Like all of his stuff sure. has to come in line. Like the fact that his dad was a boxer and his never give up attitude comes from that. But then you, know? I mean, you like, could t- but you could take this further back though. Does Daredevil even exist if Batman doesn't exist? I I think so because Stan Lee is a crazy guy, and <laughs> he wanted to see if a blind hero could work. And oh he, yeah, there may be a blind hero, you know I mean? but I, I'm wondering like. Like, I mean, hell, th- does Marvel Comics exist if, if DC didn't create Superman and Batman and it all first? You know, does oh, Stanley even... Not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. N- 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 almost none of this exists without well, Superman. That's kind I, of yeah. a, a dumb well, I love how it works in a weave, though, right? They're like, they create Superman and then you get Captain America, right? And you have the JSA right. and they're, they're all constantly yeah. weaving in and out of each other. Yeah, exactly. This is the point where yeah. I'd like to say, if you're enjoying this part of the conversation, yeah. please go and read Grant Morrison's Super Gods. Yeah, yeah. Because well, he does it way But that's the point I'm making, though, when you're bringing right. up that we should, we should, you know, it's, it's a shame for Daredevil. Like, well, yeah, but th- this bounces back between DC and Marvel constantly since the, the dawn of yeah, I think, superheroes. Yeah, I think the reason I say it's a shame for Daredevil is it's because it's so much more obtuse and it's it's more distinctive. Like, no, no, this is a signature Batmaning out of the scene yeah. that Daredevil did. I- I think this is and, just, this is just a case of like what what Miller was doing with Daredevil at the time. Even at the time, someone said this would be perfect for Batman. This the stuff so, that you're doing right now would be perfect for Batman. Year one is post crisis, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm just trying to get the frame and all this. The Daredevil stuff started in '82, right? Uh, yeah, early. Uh, I, I mean, I can tell you some dates. Hang on, let me. Okay. Let me yeah, it's before crisis. It's pre-crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, my, my, not, my not, not that we typically crisis. think of Marvel as being pre and no, post-crisis. Well, but just, you know what I mean? Just for my own personal thing, I'm just seeing how far apart they are. You know, it's um, about five years. It's it's, it's about it's, it's it's the same as a start a rebirth to now. 
based more or right. less. Right. Um, that's another yeah. thing that I, so, I like. Go ahead, Connor. His Daredevil stuff is kind of... <laughs> yeah, we're looking at... Uh, back, back that's a ghost. I, yeah, no. I know, it's because it's all white screens. Hang on, let me put something back on the other, the other monitor. <laughs> there we go. Um, oh. uh, yeah, no, that's, that, like... that's about 1980. Yeah. W- one of my favorite things about Superman is a lot of his mythos came from the radio show that we all know, like Kryptonite, and has ability to fly and all this other stuff. Because as cool as the Siegel and Schuster version of him is... And how he was this like standing up for the middle class, and he's going to defend people against you know, the, you know the, the the billionaires that want to do them wrong and whatnot. That that's all great, but the stuff that made him I think a little bit more accessible, you know, and and made him relatable, do come from that radio show, oh, um, yeah. and and it changed him for the better. And I like how characters can evolve over time like that. So like, I. You know, not not that you know we're I'm primarily a DC guy, but the fact that Daredevil helped shape Batman, and then Batman helped shape Daredevil later. Like there's this because I know Kevin Smith talked about stuff that he wanted to do in Batman is what worked in uh, his his Daredevil run. Yeah, yeah, it works. Right. So, and then you could read some of his Batman work post Daredevil, and you're like, oh, this is kind of his Daredevil story. Like, um, his uh, his, onomatopoeia. Yeah, Onomatopoeia would be a phenomenal Daredevil, Daredevil villain. Like, it's just... I, I just... I, I will never not love that interwovenness of, of the two companies. Yeah. You know. So. All right. Uh, so, we'll wrap up then. The last thing I need to do is I have a Patreon book. Uh, I actually have four to do because I have one... This is the one I'm about to do. American Vampire Issue 5 uh, is actually one that I mowed for last month. I, I, just, I, let, I let it slip to this month because last week was so busy. I thought, you know what? Next week's going to be quiet. I'll do it next week. Uh, so I was going to do one per week. Uh, I've got two Patreon books. I've got the second uh, American Vampire for this month. And uh, David uh, has purchased two comment reviews via tips on streams. So I have a couple of wacky issues to read for that. Uh, but I'm doing American Vampire issue five uh, this week. So this is actually the end of the first arc. It was a five issue arc, but that's the end of two stories because we have the the Pearl story in 1920s, whatever, and we have the you know the origin of Skinner Sweet kind of r- r- rounding up in the backup. Uh, so basically, this is Pearl and Henry storming the vampires, and you know they do it quite quickly. It starts with a scene where the vampires are just kind of like, ma ha ha ha, we're still in charge, ma ha ha ha, we'll we'll you know we've got this going and that going. Uh, and they storm in, and it's just a massacre. They just they they, they kill the shit out of these vampires, uh, and you know, it starts off it starts off with a a little description of uh, when she was a little girl. Pearl talking about how the dogs that they had in the the house were would always like scare you know run and bark at anyone who was coming into the gate. But the one time they were scared was when a wolf showed up because even though there was more of the dogs than the wolf, the wolf was stronger. So she's comparing herself to the wolf. She's going to go to this pack mm-hmm. of vampires and it's like, no, but she's the you know, she's the American vampire now, right? Yeah. Uh, my favorite part of all this is that when they go to uh, kill everyone, uh, the vampires had like a like a basically a, a human tied up, like a woman tied up in chains that didn't have arms or legs anymore. It was it was just a head and a torso. Yeah. Uh, and at one point in the middle of the fight, one of the vampires just tosses this naked, like, stump of a person towards Peril. Uh, just a really over-the-top uh, visual. Uh, obviously they are. Albuquerque's d- doing all this over-the-top stuff. Um, uh, she eventually smashes the skylight and sunlight comes beaming in because it's during the day and they have the big thing. But she's like, no, there's one more thing I got to do. She has to go and get revenge on Hattie, who it turned out was, uh, you know, working against her and is a vampire. Uh, so they have a fight too. 
Um, and you know, it's basically yeah. There's a, there's a lot of lunge at each other, a lot of claws, there's a lot of teeth, a lot of red streaks in the art, all this good stuff. Uh, Hattie does kind of plead a little bit just before she kills her, but Pearl takes the gold star off the door because they're at the movie studio and shoves it in her mouth. Uh, Oof. Really violent. Yeah, and basically her and Henry are going to go away together. They're on a date at the pier. And just before they go, uh, Skinner Sweet shows up, sort of disguised in a hat, and says, hey, do you want to come run, run away with me instead? And she's like, nah, no fa- fat chance. He's like, ah, oh, well, goodbye for now, because we're bound to run to each other at some point. <laughs> Uh, and of course, of course, it's a tease for the future because they're both immortal vampires now, so they're they're bound to run to each other at some point, and there's future arcs in there to be had. So it's kind of this happy ending where they're together, uh, without them ever really acknowledging that she's going to stay the same age and he's going to grow old. But I mean, that's a that's a story for another arc, uh, and I, I do recall them getting into it. So I mean, yeah, the final part of the the main story is basically just them going and murdering everyone who's wronged them. Uh, but it all looks so glorious, and in this Skinner Sweet moment, it's a nice little tease. The backup, the end of the origin uh, of Skinner Sweet, with uh, the the author telling the story, um, we see that Skinner Sweet's actually in the crowd for this, uh, wanting to hear the end of the story. He's telling this like hidden final chapter, uh, where Book's becoming a vampire, he's killing animals, he's not proud of himself, and the daughter of his friend, uh, Abby, is in love with them, wants to be with them. And he refuses, but then when he asks her to kill him, she says she'll only do it if she can get what she wants first, if she can, if she can, you know, sleep with him. So he reluctantly sleeps with her. Uh, and this kind of, we had cut some of him eating a sheep with a Skinner, like finally being let out of the, 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 the cave in that he was trapped in the end of last issue. And the European vampires want to bring him into the fold. And essentially, you can kind of see that they're trying to control him by offering, and, you know, like, we'll make him feel important, we'll make him feel like we're giving him territory. And Skinner just drags him out into the sunlight and watches him die. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, so it's just classic a Skinner. classic Skinner. It's, it's this final sort of like big statement of who he is, what type of character he is. But like I say, Book and uh, Abby have sex, and he insists she kill him. She's you know crying her eyes out. She's not happy about it, but she does what what he wants. Uh, she actually just shoots him, but she does it of course when there's no full moon, which is when it's, which is when the American vampires are at their weakest. But of course, the final little tease here is that she had a baby. You know, it's you know a year later she's got a baby at the grave. The writer's still with her, um, and we see Skinner gives a note to the author as he's finished telling his story, saying that he's not going to kill him because he's so old and miserable that he's going to die, you know, alone and pathetic, and that's you know more of a punishment than any quick death by him would give him. But the final tease is that uh, as as Skinner leaves this uh, bookstore. Uh, just sort of whistling to himself. Uh, Abby and her daughter, who is now, you know, about 13 or whatever, uh, what was the, what was the uh, Felicia, that was, the, that was the, the daughter's name, uh, she's like, you know, that's the man who destroyed your father. Not today, but soon. Soon. I can, I can almost see that meme of the wolf in the back, or the dog in the back seat looking in the rearview mm-hmm. mirror. It's with the soon. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the tease there. Uh, so so I like that both stories end with a tease of where things could go in the future. Uh, it really feels like the book in one arc, well, technically two arcs, bundled together, but uh, mm-hmm. it really has built so much mythology already where I'm excited to see, okay, her and the daughter come for revenge. And then also, you know, where does Abby st- or where does Pearl's story go? Sorry, next. Like, where does that go next? And um, if I remember correctly, we do the second arc does 
veer away from one of the characters, if mm-hmm. I remember right. One of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah, so. I, I think Pearl takes like an arc off and then we come back to her later. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe mm-hmm. Skinner takes an arc off. I, can't, I don't know. But uh, it's been a while. But I'm looking forward to reading it though. But uh, issue five is really good. Uh, the, the the first arcs are, are both really good. I, I think the only thing that hurts the first arc is because the backups there, the main story is a little bit shorter than a typical comic. Yeah. And because of that, it feels like each, the main chapters are over a bit quickly. Uh, you know, you could have probably had this in four issues that were more satisfying. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. obviously the backup's really good too. So I guess what I'm saying is I just wish these were just released as two separate arcs in a more traditional format, but like they're both really good. So uh, so you're reading them in trade, it doesn't matter. But reading them one by one like this is a little bit weird uh, pacing-wise. But other than that, art's great, horror, the mythology's all good. Uh, can't really fault it. So thank you, Tyler, for no. making me read a good book. <laughs> Nah, man, just wait till you get to Survival of the Fittest. Cause... Oh, I've read it before, Matt. I've, uh... Oh, gotcha. Well, yeah. One of my fa- that's another one of my favorite stories of all time. Does that one with yeah, Mitt really Snyder? Uh, it's Snyder and uh, Murphy doing mm-hmm. doing like Castlevania style stuff. So basically, if you enjoyed White Knight uh, or personal <laughs> White Knight for that type of stuff. Just imagine that set in World War Two. Yeah, or if yeah, uh, if you enjoyed Overlord, maybe maybe yeah. uh, that kind of yeah. feeds into there. Yeah, and if you're wondering why Matt enjoyed this so much, I think you've just got your answer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, there you go. That's my Patreon book for the week. So next we'll have another one. I think Connor's got a couple this month, so he'll probably have one next week, right? Yeah, I've got to do an issue of Red Hood and something for Tyler to decide because it's looking like I'm not getting Undiscovered Country this month, let's be honest. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be coming next week. I think we'll take a week off from questions uh, so people can have, you know, think of questions for the week after, <laughs> essentially. Uh, and we'll have another segment instead. Uh, but, you know, we'll talk about what movies we've been watching, games we've been playing, comments we've been reading, uh, again, any news uh, that comes up. And, you know, keep keep going from there. Me and Matt will have a wrestling chat. But, uh, so, if you have ideas for segments, feel free to suggest them. Um, we may not take them, obviously, but uh, no, no harm in suggesting. Uh, maybe it'll spark an idea uh, for us. But, uh, this is kind of just a get-together podcast for the next few weeks, at least until we get books again and we come back to normal. But hopefully this was still something that you enjoyed listening to. Obviously, it's still, still timestamp, so that if you don't care about wrestling, you can skip the wrestling section. You don't care about video games, you can skip the video game section. I could skip the wrestling section. <laughs> yeah. Well, tough titty, all right? Tough titty. Uh, but of course, uh, you could fill us in and we've talked about any of your thoughts uh, in the comments. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, you can, of course, go over to patreon.com slash TV and support us for as little as $1 per month. Keep all the content coming. At the $5 tier, of course, you get the podcast a day early. That's for, that goes for all the multiverse shows. Quarantine comics previously. Uh, previously is coming this coming week. We're, we kind of skipped an extra week there, but it will be weekly now. Uh, going forward, starting with this episode that's coming up this this coming week. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, otherwise, check out other stuff we have. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Screams After Midnight, the horror movie podcast, the Atomic Cinema Experiment, the sci-fi movie podcast. Uh, those are worth checking out. Me and Carl do a lot of TV reviews. Uh, yeah, so go and have a, a look-see. But uh, otherwise, that is us. So 
thank you once again. I'll, I'll just one last thing before I forget. Patreon producers, let me just thank them. Uh, I mentioned Patreon already, but I should I should really thank the producers. Uh, so thank you to David Short, Alison M. Forday, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess. Uh, that means their patrons at $20 or above, so they get a shout-out on some of the bigger shows. Uh, so, yeah, thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep staying home. Yes. <laughs> Keep the curve. Yes. Keep staying home, washing your hands and not touching your face. And uh, never get quarantined in the multiverse. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. What? See, this is where my oppositional comes in. Pizza, don't touch your face. I immediately wanted to do it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. It's really bad for me as a nail biter. Yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, nail biter. We should talk about that. <laughs> don't spread viruses in the speed force. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.